That's Sir Matthew. He's a sexy beast, man. Welcome to episode number 134 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, February 12th, 2021. I'm Darren O'Neill, coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where Apple is extorting people with their latest update. And from America's left coast, where we listen to a podcast because, and I quote, it's good. It's I'm good. Ryan it's very good. What more marketing do you need? It's good. Grumpy Old Ben's. It's good. As far as I'm concerned, that's, I mean, that's the marketing message you're trying to get out there. I mean, when you go up to a marketing firm, you'd be like, here, here's $7 million. Get me a marketing campaign. Well, what do you want the campaign to say? Well, um, it's good. Yes. Okay. People should like this. This is show. even marketing I could do. It's simple. I'd be like, yeah. Sir, Sir Bemrose, what do you think of this product? It's good. Yeah. That's all you need. I mean, and you can get that in. That's a very quick commercial too, because we could yes. run that between shows. Yes. And just be like grumpy old Benz. It's you, good. You could elevator pitch that even on one of those express elevators. <laughs> yes, that's that's it. That's, that's it. It's, it's not good. my elevator pitch. That's my teleporter pitch. Right. It's that quick. You start to energize and then boom, you're into the ether. I'm really glad that technology doesn't exist. I mean, that still freaks me out a little bit. And uh, which techno- elevators? Tele- no, right. Those two <laughs> uh, teleporting uh, more than. The elevator. Oh, what? You you don't like the idea of your molecules being torn apart and then reassembled on the other end? Don't worry. It's a Google AI that's reassembling them. Oh, well, as long as it's not a Windows. This time with machine. 74% less racism. <laughs> they strip that right out. I could believe that. I could yes, believe they that. Run, they run filters. They yeah. run an algo on you. They do. Make you more compliant. Oh, well, we have to be compliant. It is the new world order. We must be compliant. And along those lines, I have an Apple iPad. I've talked about that a little bit. I don't run Apple as my main desktop. I don't run an Apple laptop anymore because they got way too expensive. But when it comes to a 13 inch tablet and, you know, crappy eyes, I like a big tablet. The iPad Pro is still, I believe, the best thing out there. I don't think there's an Android equivalent that is, I think this one's 12.9 inches. I don't think there's any Android equivalent that is anywhere near what the ipad does so that's my one foray into the apple world and i kind of like having that because then i can go look at like their podcast apps and see what's working and what's not when it comes to things you know like chapters and the transcripts and all of that so it's nice to have a portal to look into that world but they updated ios which they do quite a bit for various reasons but there was one major change with this update which was When the device rebooted and went through the, hey, hello, we've updated, we're great, everything's awesome, there was a new screen which was like, well, enter a text number that we can verify, or a regular phone. It could have been a phone call as well. Uh, No. Yeah, we need to verify a phone number. Well, I had to do it, because otherwise there was no opt-out. Um, I mean, you can't roll it back or something, because I would definitely not be taking that. No. No? No. There's no way to roll. 
No way to roll it back. What what do they use your phone number for? I mean, other than the obvious marketing and sharing with people, what the hell do they need that for? To verify your identity, which is even scarier. What the hell is it important? You you know what my identity is? My identity is I'm the human who has this piece of computing hardware in my hand right now. What more do you want? I mean, what are they verifying against? Are they going to? Are they going to tell you that you're invalid? Oh, I'm sorry. Even though you paid way too much money for this tablet. Now uh, we've decided that you're actually you. We we checked your voter rolls and you voted for Trump and therefore we're going to destroy your hardware. Is that, I mean, how does this work? What what exactly is the end game here? I don't know. I, I, I bought a piece of hardware and I'm using it. Why does Apple need to be involved in this after the initial purchase? I don't know. I have no idea why they need to verify this or what they're using it for or what they think i, I mean I, there's a I lot think of humans are are way too well conditioned to just accept oh we need to verify you well excuse me <laughs> but you don't have that authority over me yeah there's a lot of things being done in the name of security that people are putting up with and there is no way to opt out of this and to be fair they're they've been pushing for a two-factor authentication for a long time which is annoying my parents who aren't tech people at all who got an i you know the old iPhone my dad we just upgraded him because the battery died on his phone but otherwise Apple's easy to use it's not easy to use when you start harassing people like we want to add yeah. two factor authentication it's like now you're taking this which was something that I could easily hand my parents set it up and be like you're done you know when this thing starts popping up new things like we want two factor authentication they're like I don't know. I don't you know managed what- to find a story to make me very angry right off the beginning of the show. <laughs> this is good. That- for a device that never leaves the bedroom, for example, I mean, who here doesn't have a bedroom iPad? Well, okay, I don't. It's not an iPad. It's a Kindle. But you, I mean, we, we've all got that one device where we're like, this is a specialized use device that never moves that, you know, the only way that anybody is ever going to use it that isn't the one person who purchased a stupid thing or, or is is if someone breaks into my house and you know what, if, if somebody breaks into my house and steals the Kindle next to my bed, congratulations, you can go ahead and read all of the freaking books that I've been reading in bed. I, okay. You, you know what? It'll be annoying that you stole my Kindle, but you already broke into my house and probably got shot for it anyway. So <laughs> it seems like a fair exchange to me. So you're going to let them read as they bleed out in the ambulance. It's coming. It's the least I could do. Here you be go. like, you need to pass the time here. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't really like the fact that this happened in a way after an update. And if you've dealt with any of the Apple stuff, rolling back is virtually impossible. I don't believe there's even a way to be. I'm sure if you really jump through a bunch of hoops and reset and then maybe try to go back. But it's not easy to roll anything back in the Apple ecosystem. Of course, I just gave them a Google voice phone number and that worked. I was ready for that not to work. Because there are a lot of companies that I've tried using various, you know, throwaway numbers like that. And they're like, nope, we don't we don't recognize that service to do what we want to do. But luckily, it it accepted for now the Google voice number because it's like, I don't want to give you my home phone number. I mean, you don't. I bought hardware. Excuse me. I'm the one. Uh, please enter your name. I'm sorry. Uh, my name is your fucking master. I'm the one who paid for this hardware. I am the user. I am your God. You uppity piece of software. You don't need my name. You don't need my phone number. You don't. Wh- why the hell 
Does it need any of this? I'm, I'm getting so sick of these consumer products that, that decide that it, it's so important to know your name and know your phone number and know your location as like, excuse me, do I work for you or do you work for me? You stupid little piece of hardware. Right. And then to do it gun to your head, like, well, we've updated this and you must give us this. Uh, according to Sir Spud the Mighty, who is the troll formerly known as Radix 023. He says Samsung makes an 18 inch tablet now. So I may have to check that out. Although I'm not 18 inches. Oh. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Samsung either, but I do. I, use 18 inches is practically a laptop. Yeah. Fact, well, I think it is. It's That's, bigger than a laptop. Yeah. You know, the, well, the it's not the, bigger than my laptop. Well, the sweet spot I've always found on the tablets was right about that. What the uh, iPad pro is, which is it's 12.9 inches, which is kind of like if you were to take an old, I know world. Remember those things they used to call them magazines where you used to buy them and then read information from a paper source that I, was I, about the yeah. size. You you wait, you mean back when when you had pieces of hardware that were like single use and only had one set of information once you absorbed all that information you had to throw away the hardware and buy a new one? Yes. Planned obsolescence by the way. Yeah, but you're, you're at done. least they didn't demand your name when you went and exchanged cash money for a newspaper. I just like that you're calling a magazine hardware. I mean, I guess <laughs> technically, yeah, very much one use. Can't reprogram this some bitch. I don't know yeah. what's going on. Wh- which, by the way, also very much hardens it against cyber attacks. <laughs> that is true. Nobody is hacking your reading information. There, there are no online updates. In fact, you can't even take live updates. If it, it, if a vulnerability comes out, some you know fake news, for example, and you you need to get an updated version, your only choice again is to throw it out. Um, usually with Fire, by the way, it makes great kindling, and then go and purchase new hardware. Yeah, and the great thing about disseminating your information in that way that piracy was really not a thing, so it was a much easier way to uh, to know how many people were actually consuming your content. You know, digital has screwed up a lot of things. There's no question about it. There's there's yeah. absolutely no question about it. So, yeah, wasn't happy with that Apple. I was not happy with the update. Oh, my gosh. And like, you need a phone number. It's like, well, what if I don't want to give a phone number? I hate giving phone See, numbers got, for stuff. I've got another iOS 14 story, but it's not nearly as angry. And then I've got <laughs> another story of of some bullshit that's connected online that does not need to be because a Bemlet gave me another uh uh internet of things story that it 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 they haven't done anything horrible but the more i read this website the more i wanted to go punch a millennial <laughs> you really you want to uh you want to just go punch I just, like well yeah for for okay so uh this is there is a a company called victor uh who for the last 45 years have made rat traps and mo- mouse traps yes and familiar. I, Yes, we've all anybody who's had a mouse in there and, you know, I'm sitting here. Yeah, I'm glaring at you, this cat on my lap, because sometimes you are useless and do not catch a freaking mouse that's busy eating at my fridge pipes or something. Uh, So, yeah, every once in a while you have to go out and get a mousetrap. And uh, Bemlet went out and purchased a rat trap because uh, Bemlet's cat was falling down on the job. He also said, well, well, the rat's almost as big as a cat. I'm like, yeah, but the cat has claws. Should have some natural advantages here, but I get it. Some cats are finicky and, you know, well-fed. Right. When you show up, when you like walk into the kitchen or wherever the cats have their 
their food and like the cat and the mouse are eating out of the same bowl, then you know the cat's yeah. not uh, like, like, okay, you're not gonna kill that right now, are you? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Too busy, boss. Yeah. We got we got a card game later. Um so Bemlet went out and purchased a a rat trap and and of course the primary name in all of these traps is Victor. Well, Victor has made an update to come into the new uh the, the new millennium. And uh so you go to it's victorpest.com and it, this website almost has to be seen because I I managed to take notes from just about everything I scrolled past on this website. The very first thing you see, make your home a safe space. Not for the rats. (laughs) From rodent pest invaders. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. So I'm sorry. Any company that decides the first message they want to give me is make your home a safe space. I'm like, I'm out. Nope. Sorry. Um, the, The next, by the way, that you keep scrolling. The next thing I saw was, quote, my account members get a 2x rewards points with every purchase. So, yeah. And and yes, of course, there's a login at the top of the website. I'm sorry. You are you you sell mousetraps and you want me to log in to get rewards points. First of all, if if you have so many mice that you need to make multiple purchases and make use of your 2x rewards points, you're doing something wrong. Like, stop leaving cheese all over the floor. What the hell are you doing in your house? Maybe nail up those giant holes in the wall. I don't know. It, 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 you should not be having so many mice that you need a frequent purchaser problem program for this. No, no. But I like the but, electric mouse traps. A humane high voltage shock works yes. quickly and effectively. To offer a hundred percent kill oh, rate. Yeah. Actually, I've tried the electric mouse traps, and by the way, it had an a hundred percent make my finger go numb rate, which was awesome. <laughs> which but, is what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh either way, you know what? I can even handle the electronic traps as like, okay, the, the standard spring trap, that's been around for a while. More importantly, it's out of patent. So what are you gonna do? You gotta make make a better mouse trap and then patent it, of course, so that you can make a lot of money. I get that. But if you if you're looking at their products, what you realize is that they have a third tier, which is exactly the same electronic one, but with Wi-Fi. Oh well, wait. Who are we communicating with? I uh, well, um, I went ahead and downloaded their user manual to poke through this thing, and uh, one of the important things that they tell you is that you definitely should not connect it. You should definitely connect it to the Wi-Fi provided with your isp and you should not be connecting it to a phone enabled hotspot (laughs) Um, i don't know why exactly that is it might have something to do with the notifications um but they have labeled this smart kill (laughs) like (laughs) like i need my mousetrap to be intelligent i'm sorry no ai allowed here there's just some machine learning i don't feel like i need it just but but great marketing yeah, their marketing is we live in a connected world. Your trap can too. And the the sales pitch is avoid the hassle of checking traps in hard to reach places. We'll send you a notification when the job is done. <laughs> a notification because that's what I want. I want my fucking phone to be beeping at me every 30 seconds. No, I kill notifications for places where I want to get messages. Why the hell? Okay. So do they do they include a camera so you can see what you killed? I, I don't I did not see that feature, but now I mean, don't worry. As soon as the patent's about to expire, they'll definitely be including that. They have three easy steps to get started. One, download the app. 
Of course there's an app. Of course there's an app. Why wouldn't there be an app? There's always an app. It probably you requires a- your phone number. It uh, probably does. Well, uh, the second connect the trap to the Wi-Fi network. Um, the method you do this, by the way, is there's a QR code on the bottom of the trap. So you hold the the button to get started and to when you turn it on and it goes into settings mode, you get five minutes in settings mode before it clears everything and you go away. By the way, uh, one of the other things in the manual, which uh, points to the fact that even though these people have an app, they don't have a coder worth their shit is a warning in the manual of the app that says, by the way, pressing the home button during setup of the app to go to the desktop and then launching the app again will not resume where it left off. Okay, so these people have not ever seen how a mobile SDK in the last 10 years. Every app knows how to do that. It's pretty freaking basic. You write the state out when you get all the alt tab or whatever it is. But okay, so they've got an app and it's a shitty app. I get that. Um, but you take the, you launch the app, you hit the, you start your five minute timer, you scan the QR code on the bottom, and then you scan through all of the devices connected to your Wi-Fi. which I got to tell you, if you are the kind of person who is trying to connect a rat trap to your Wi-Fi, that scanning list is going to be a pain in the ass because you are already dumb enough to add 600 other devices to your Wi-Fi. It's going to be really tough to scroll through. And the name looks something like Victor dash and some fucking good. So good luck if you're setting multiple traps. You don't know which one, but one of them, sure. Why not? Okay. So they they don't know UI, but that's okay. Um, Then step three of the three easy steps is monitor your trap with your mobile device. So you put this thing down on the kitchen floor. You don't even have to go into the kitchen. You can sit your ass on the living room table or couch. Why are you sitting on the living room tables? Because it's cleaner than the couch. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) Continue, And you could pull your phone out of your pocket and be like, nope, no rats caught in the kitchen yet. Instead of getting your ass up and like checking the next time you go for a beer or chips or something. I mean, uh, we turned into an entire civilization of lazy fuckers who can't even walk to the kitchen to check the trap. I guess so. Now, if the app would pop up like a little electrified Mickey Mouse and play taps, that would be kind of funny. You can, I bet you could set that notification sound. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I'm, I mean, they have 10 different electronic mouse traps. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, I don't understand the differences. I mean, how much, I mean, I guess, I mean, okay, there's rat traps and mouse traps. There's five of each, it yeah. looks like. So, uh, Nick the rat better be careful. They do have mm. the uh, ultrasonic devices too, which I had a couple of these down in the basement because I got yes. them free. Back. Great, great for mice and for teenagers. It really keeps them away too. That would be uh, <laughs> that's that's perfect. And you know, well, there there are those devices that shopkeepers can put out to prevent teens from loitering that that issue really really piercing sounds in the the eighteen thousand hertz range where you know a- after a certain age you just can't hear that. Right. I mean, I can hear better than most, and uh, yeah, I understand that could get quite. Uh, quite annoying i don't hear these which are good i can hear them like flipping on and off every now and then there's a little electronic noise but i got these things free to do the reviews and i never really looking back then i remember doing the research and i'm like 80 percent of the people are like there's nothing to prove these things work at all but i'll tell you since i put the two of those down there they've just been running in the basement for years they only take up you know a water two of power it's very low power stuff 
but I've noted, I mean, the earwigs still show up, but everything else seems less than we had before. So I think there's something to be said for those devices. Okay, earwigs, that'd be tough. But like, if you have rats coming into your basement, can't you do something like I I mean, I guess I'm imagining your basement is like a hole in the wall with concrete walls around it. Can't you plug the the, like it's concrete. Do they chew through concrete? Is that I I mean, what kind of mice on steroids do you have in Chicago? (laughs) Hey, come on. They're huge, man. They have huge rats. We've never uh, we had a mouse or mice. And when we lived in a townhouse here, but we've never had any problems in this house. I mean, and a lot of it is just keeping any small holes coming in, including things, you know, like the dryer vents and all that, that they can get in through, yeah. uh, which, uh, you gotta make like sure you, you just make sure you keep that, you know, bordered and epoxied up. And yes, for me, it we, was more bugs. Like sp- even this, even stuff okay, even yeah. works in like spiders and that kind of stuff. Yeah. We get spiders here. Well, I mean, there's spiders. What the, the only, <laughs> the cats don't kill the spiders. They just play, which is that. actually fine because if you if you invite a good crop of spiders in, they'll kill a lot of the other bugs. It all depends. It's the uh, it's, it's the circle of life. Yes, the survival <laughs> of the fittest, no doubt about it. So the last thing that I noticed about these traps is uh, in in a I guess they had to have some kind of throwback to back in the day. Uh, the traps require uh, the rat trap at least requires four C batteries. Now, when Whoa. was the last time you purchased a C battery? Never. I mean, okay, not yeah, never. nobody does that anymore. No, I mean, last like, I remember, I, like, were D batteries, and that was for a boombox in, like, 1980. I, I am blown away that this doesn't have, like, a rechargeable lithium-ion bomb in it or something. You would think. Rechargeable. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're, if you're going to go all out into the, the modern millennium, why are you still expecting, like, I don't even know where you would, I guess the hardware store or something might have some uh, somewhere in on a back shelf, but where do you even find batteries anymore? Who, who uses like I've used double a batteries for my remote control, right? I think my Xbox controller goes through a double a battery every 10 minutes, but <laughs> well, that's why you like the rechargeable ones. You can still get them at Amazon, but I noticed I went to uh, use the recumbent bike the other day. I haven't been on there for a couple of months and, uh, the Klipsch soundbar, which is a great soundbar when it comes to the audio it puts out, but the little remote that they include, yeah, it takes a little watch battery, which is the dumbest thing any company could ever do. I get it. You like the little teeny tiny remote, but those CR, whatever the number is on them, they only last like six months and then they're done. So you have to keep like a thousand of those on hand. The I have a bunch of double A's and triple A's, but I've mainly gone to rechargeables on all those. So it's it's been a while since buying a ton of batteries. And I mean, I guess that's good with these electronic traps. So I'm surprised you just don't have the option to have a, a plug in directly to the wall to fry them critters up. Good. I That was actually my first thought is that if you because, you know, why do you need that money? Why do you need C cell batteries? Why do you need something? Because you're well, electrocuting because, a little electrocuting living creature. Them. Yeah, which which is I mean, that's good, clean fun. And I, I, you know, just like anybody, I I used to take the magnifying glass out into the driveway and the ants. But um, I I, yeah, my first thought is, why don't I just plug this thing in? And yeah, okay, maybe there's places in the attic where you don't have easy access to uh, uh, an outlet. But I mean, extension cords are a thing and you're in your house, which presumably has electricity. It's not like you're putting these traps out in the middle of a field. Right. Unless they've got some like 
I'm sorry. If, if you, if you want a rat trap for your barn that doesn't have any power at all and you don't want to run an extension cord, I, I'm okay with the lever operated one. Do you need the electronic Wi-Fi enabled one? There's no Wi-Fi in the barn anyway. What the hell are you thinking? Well, they'll sell you an extender. I'm sure. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I could just get one of those Verizon MiFi. Oh, wait. You can't use those for some reason. Like, I, just that, that plus the, the, by the way, the app doesn't save state was like, Okay, not only do you have an app, but you you shit you suck at trying to code anyway. Yeah, and um, I really, on the plus side, if the, the battery ever runs out, they will send you a notification. Oh well, wait, how? Because it'll be dead. How, I mean, it has to just be when the battery's getting low. Because yes. otherwise, I don't know how it would send. But Fletcher asked, "Wouldn't two nine volt batteries work better?" And that's kind of what I was contemplating because I've seen you know episode. I think it was an episode of Brian Brushwood's uh, and Murphy. What's his name? Something Murphy. Um, that had the self-created taser, which was made out of, uh, I forget what the device was, but you, you know, you take some nine volt batteries and you step them up. You could yeah. really do some damage. Yeah. Which is amazing. Well, I, used to, I used to, uh, uh, way, you know, way back in the day when, when we let kids play with electronics and electrical stuff. And, um, I, I used to shock the hell out of myself because I found, uh, I ended up pulling a transformer out of some piece of electronics that we had that Ooh. was a, a like 10 to one step up and I connected <laughs> it to one of those six volt lantern batteries and I was shocking everything <laughs> on purpose. This, yeah. this, this explains a lot. Do you start twitching during the show at any given point? Uh, <laughs> is that why the cats like being yeah, on you? Yeah. When I need to pee enough. Yes, I do. You're kind of like one of those magic fingers beds. You just start jumping all around. The cats are like, yay, party time. And you started this off with an iPad that will not fucking boot unless you give up your personal information. Of course, I'm twitching. You must give us your phone number. We will not do anything nefarious with your information. Trust Apple. Yeah, I just it really I, I don't get it. And then it was you. There was no way around it. You had to put the information in or the setup was not going to continue. I guess I could have tried like turning it off and on again, but I'm assuming it would have just yes. gotten me right to the same place. I probably would have done that. And then the next thing I would have done was hook up a USB debugging cable and start killing any, any out of the box uh, processes and be like, okay, you know what? If I have to root this mofo so that I can use it without having to deal with your stupid. (laughs) Next time I'll just use your phone number and then I'll just call you and be like, Hey, can you give me the the number that was up on your screen, please? Thank you. I, I don't know. I, I my phone number is apparently out in some real estate database now because oh. it's about every two days that I get a text from somebody says, I just happen to be driving by your house at this address. And I was wondering if you would be willing to sell. It's like, the right yeah. address, too. So they know. who. You- yeah, of course. Nice. So they've got they got my phone number, my name and my address all tied together, probably from some public database. And uh, you know what? If Grumpy Old Ben's listeners find it, I will. I will hunt you down, and I will. Uh, I will totally Liam Neeson on you. No, Harry but, Hamster just wants to call you up, see how you're doing. I understand. He likes you. Uh, yeah. My my stock response to all of those text messages, if I if I feel like responding at all, is yeah, sure, eight hundred fifty thousand dollars as is. Go. <laughs> right. That's uh. Although you know, if this could be a case like Musk Make in an Texas, offer. right, where it was like. Um, we would like to buy your house. Uh, an anonymous buyer would like to buy your house. And if they're willing to pay that much money, I'm willing to move. You're like, I'm moving to Indiana, man. I'm going to middle of the country. I'm going to live in the middle. I need, I need to go to a flyover state where they want fresh air. 
yeah, that is the way to do it. And uh, there's no question about it. And we do have chapters in the podcast. I guess we should mention that if you were looking for them in the last episode, there was just a naming um, snafu. I was going to say glitch, but not really. There yeah, was, it was a glitch. <laughs> it was no, no, you, no. The glitch is the magic word that says somebody p- programmed a bug, but we are not going to talk about blame because the person who who deserves the blame doesn't want it. And so we're just going to say glitch. And that way you have to assume that a higher power caused it. And if you don't want to use the word glitch, then we might be faced with the cold, dark reality that I uploaded a file under the wrong name. And therefore, none of the (laughs) podcast apps can find it. That is. And the only the only funny thing about the wrong name was that it was your suggestion to change the name, the structure. Yeah. And yeah, I, you've uh, because because the naming scheme that you would come up with was grumpy old Ben's number dot JSON. Right. And I'm like, well, if that's the only JSON that ever gets tied to this, then that makes sense. But for some reason, podcast index seems to be uh, the, the namespace of podcast indexes. Uh, they're turning out JSON files left and right. There's a JSON for chapters. There's a JSON for transcript. They're adding, uh, you know, J- I don't know if it's a JSON or not for. Uh, the the people tag uh, there uh, for some reason, you know, for for Dave Jones loving XML so much, they are turning out a hell of a lot of JSON files tied to these RSS feeds these days. So um, we had to change it. it the, the name became Grumpy Old Ben's number you know, 133 dash chapters dot JSON. Yes. Just to do, and, and that was great, except that, of course, I wrote all these custom scripts for uploading. And after we had the discussion, I'm like. Yeah, I'll just run the script and it uploaded to the old file name. Oops. Yeah. So it was a great file. I mean, it was there. Just nobody could see it. I did go the chapters and transcript route with the most recent random thoughts, which was it was a lot more painless than I thought it would be because. Oh, yeah. Otter AI just really worked. I was fairly well. I was hoping that you would you would pioneer that Otter thing so we could figure out how it worked. You know, it does seem to. I mean, with one speaker obviously you don't have to worry about it differentiating between voices i don't think it'll have a problem with ours because they are different enough where there are some shows where i don't know if the technology could be that good to figure out when different people are speaking i'm dubious about that i've poked around the the no agenda transcripts before and apparently there's four people on that show there's adam there's john there's speaker one and speaker two well, I never heard speaker one and two. Oh, did they have lines in the transcript? You might think that that voice sounds like Adam or John, but for some Otter thinks that they're different per- people with Just all of the clips in. in that show. I can't even imagine what the uh, the AI is doing. I don't know if that is Otter AI, because that seems like that was more like what uh, the YouTube was spinning out. So I don't know what the Maybe. source was on that because the the format looked a little bit different and that was my question and it was nice because i asked the question over on no agenda social if you're not over there you can go to grumpyoldbenz.com slash nas that's an invite it's the easiest way to get on there until that is all shut down but i asked the question knowing this was tied into the podcast index and i tagged dave jones in on this because i did the transcript i did the chapters the chapters worked easy as pie one because i had your file I could look at it from Grumpy Old Ben's. Okay, all I need to do is change this number to the number of seconds and then set a title. It's very easy to do manually. I mean, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass, but 
it can well, be done. The, I mean, as we learned last time, the with with our glitch from last week, the the formatting is a little twitchy if you're hand editing JSON, which is something that I don't recommend even to my worst enemy. Yes, but there's no great Windows solutions yet, which I think you should write it. That could be an exit strategy for grumpy. I, I kind of have, but the thing is, PowerShell code most people don't want to run. Yes, you need a, I, You need a little cute GUI that people. Well, no, can I, just- I mean, I I write PowerShell scripts for everything because I love PowerShell. But the problem is that. It's not very portable for a reason that Microsoft is totally to blame for, which is Microsoft decided that after after the debacle with the fact that anybody can create a .cmd file and convince idiots to double click on it, that it can run any command. Oh, my gosh, you, you it'll run commands on your system. Not that that's exactly what a program does, but go on. Um, they decided that they don't want people to be able to just create shell scripts and be able to run them. So by default on any given Windows system, PowerShell won't run, period. Like you can run the interactive, but it won't run a script unless you set it. So the result is if I hand somebody a script, I also have to hand them instructions. Okay, here's how you defeat Microsoft being paternalistic. (laughs) Yeah, it makes it like, no, you just write it in Visual Basic and just give them an EXE file. That's what they want. Is Visual Basic still around? It has to be, right? uh, Well, I, I write it in C Sharp. But yes, yes, there you go. And, and you said debacle. I believe it's debacle. I mean, we're not that show that uh, constantly corrects the pronunciations, but I think it's debacle. Well, it's debacle now, isn't it? Huh? Yes, troll robot. Prove me wrong. I don't, I'm just saying. Fight me. <laughs> it's a debacle. That's, I'll, I'll start using debacle. <laughs> and if John C. Dvorak listening, he's like, ah, you're idiots. Ah. Yeah, yeah. That's like you know, the, the, the biggest regret that I have with regards to uh, getting the chapters file misnamed is all the people who've been playing our, our show 133 for the last several days will will have not seen the Easter egg that I dropped in there, which was uh, you you had a, a mispronunciation. Uh, you were trying to talk about Ashton Kutcher, who was one of the early. Uh, celebrities on Twitter, right? That's you called him. You called him Ashton Kushner. Yeah. Which, you know, brings to mind Jared, Jared Kushner, Jared's brother. Yeah. Actually, I gotta say, I gotta say when I, when I hear the word Kushner though, the first thing that I hear or think of is there's a, there's a pot shop near me on the, the main drag called Kushmart. <laughs> well, so you get some Kush. There you go. That's exactly what it is. You know, I hear Kushner. I think uh, Carly Kloss, who married one of the Kushners because she's an attractive girl. I mean, that's just where I go with it. But my question was, I did the transcript. I got it done in Otter AI, and I just did it as plain text, because according to the podcast index, you can do plain text. It could be an HTML file. It can be plain text. It can be JSON. It could be an SRT file, which is. Can can you upload a Word doc? I think so. I mean, it seems like it didn't <laughs> matter, according to um, Dave Jones. And then I thought it was great because then he. T- this is how weird this little community is with this podcast index stuff. I asked Although, the question. So, so help me. The first person who decides to put a transcript in their RSS feed and it's a fucking PDF. <laughs> That's, yeah. Well, you can do it, but uh, you, I don't think it would go in the RSS feed. It's just it's just a link again. So that's the beauty of it. But I'm like, I don't see this. And I still don't. I'm going to have to do, I mean, crappy eyes, little screen and all that. I'm going to have to look a little bit more because I did the transcript in text and I didn't see it showing up in podcast addicts. So I was like, you know, 
asked the question. I think somebody else tagged Dave Jones or I tagged Dave. And then he tagged in the guy who wrote podcast addicts. And I got an answer from him like, well, no, tech should be fine. So it's just weird that they're the people that are involved in this. It's not weird. It's great that the guy that's awesome. Right. the app quickly answered the question and everybody's pulling on the same levers here, it seems. And I mean, the fact that that seldom works is one of the reasons why I write so much of the software I use. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, because at least that way I get to complain at the developer. He still doesn't listen, but it, I know <laughs> I know where he lives. You have his phone number and his address, obviously, yeah. and could maybe make an offer on his house. <laughs> I could. But I thought that was great. To. And it was it was fairly painless for a quick one person half hour show because you don't have to worry about much to you know for even for that show chapters okay maybe you want to split it up into eight to ten chapters just to make it look like there's something there and to give people a basic idea of what's going on in the show and i like the idea of the transcripts because i posted the show and bruce city mike who's a grumpy old ben's expert said well you know you didn't mention that this minimum wage thing they're presenting that won't be going into effect fully for years or whatever. And I knew I had mentioned it. I'm like, no, it's it's right here in my notes. I said they want to do this by 2025 or whatever it was. And I went to the transcript just in time for Harris's second term. Exactly. But I went to the transcript and typed in, you know, 2025 and boom, it took me right to the line in the show where I can be like, nope, here I can prove. I said it's not only can I, but it's, it's here in the transcript, which does. That is, that is probably one of the best benefits of a transcript for, for a podcast is you, well, one is SEO, because then when you talk about something, search engines can theoretically pick that up. I don't know if any of them are hooked in yet, uh, but the other is uh, instant show notes. Yes. I mean, they did not, not quite as concise as notes, but you, I, it just, the, the one problem I've always had with podcasts for as long as I've been listening is it's very difficult to control F them. Yes. Yeah. You can't find exactly what you're looking for. And I had a conversation. I know these idiots talked about this at some point on this six hour show. Right. Where is it? I want to know. I I don't want to listen back to the whole thing yet again. And that was because I had posted about this and our buddy, Sir Gene, who we just played his show. You did after the no agenda show the other day. Yeah. And the thanks I got, by the way, was was telling me, hey, you know, no offense to Bemrose, but I don't like uh I don't like the shows with Bemrose. I only like Darren Solo stuff. I'm like, thanks. Oh, you saw that. I I'll remember I, that. I wasn't going to bring that one up to you. Um, the, you know, he's like, well, I, I don't like chapters because like us and like Adam Curry has said before, you feel like you do these long form podcasts and you want people to listen to them from the beginning to the end. You don't want this concept like, oh, well, they're just going to go listen to a five minute segment in the middle of your six hour podcast and miss out on everything else but i yeah, do think I, I i would argue that if if people are doing that and are not getting or not listening to the whole podcast it's because you talk too much probably and uh that was what i said something to sir gene like you know hey we should do a show on uh on whiskey and he's like well you know i could talk for like an hour without taking a breath and i'm like well so can i so it'd really probably be a really really long show but there, there's something well, i hope said. his interrupting skills are up to par yeah they would have to be definitely up to par but he you know he came around then and said you know i get it because i pointed out for me the chapters are much more useful for your normal listeners if they're trying to go back after the show 
and find something and be able to hit somebody else in the mouth, turn somebody else onto your show. Because I pointed out to him, it's like my biggest thing with transcripts, my biggest experience is with Bill O'Reilly's show, and he offers transcripts to paid subscribers. So I watch his show, which is a video. It's also on radio, so you could do an audio thing as well. There's not much video to it, except it brings you back to those Fox News days. But I consume the show, and if I want to talk about something on a podcast that was on one of his shows, I found that to be the most efficient way I can go back to the transcript do it, like you said, control F, find exactly where it was talked about and take that information and use it any way I want. So I do think transcripts and chapters are useful in a way that actually make the show better overall. Yeah, there is a one other concern with when you're doing a a show focused more at a conservative crowd. And that is that when you include something like a transcript, then the homophobes check right out. Well, you know, uh, I was going to say more like the big tech giants were going to stop letting people search for your content because, oh, or that that's probably a more, you know, that's probably a more real concern than, than some kind of awful pun that I'm trying to make. But (laughs) yes, you know, I thought about it. I was like, this is a terrible pun. I shouldn't make the joke at all. And then I did anyway, because that's the kind of impulse control I have. You mean none. Or very little. Oh, there's some. Some, okay. I mean, you haven't <laughs> jumped in front of traffic or anything. No, no. I, I, I even have the ability to mute when I cough. Well, sometimes. 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 Yeah, that, that's always good. But there is uh, a lot of things to be said for this podcast 2.0 stuff. I think there is going to come a time where transcripts are going to bite people in the behind for the content that they're talking about, which I mean, we already know we've talked about the stories. The AP was very much big into the it's the loophole of the alt right, which is podcast because they could say anything they want. And it's it's hard to monitor. And yes, we're doing the monitoring ourselves once you start doing the transcripts. But, you know, I don't know. I think you have to believe that free speech is going to win out. That's probably naive. And if it doesn't, then. You're going to have to go completely underground, which was one of the other stories I had, which was weird uh, in regards to a court ordering telegram to block pirated movies, TV, music and that. It's like I, I without I mean, I've used telegram a little bit with a few of the people in the no agenda tribe and only for a few days because I hate the interface. I can't stand what's going on on telegram. I don't know if you've ever used it, but as far as I can tell, it's just another messenger. So how you're going to stop what people are sharing when they're pretty much connected one to one is a weird idea. I, I, I don't, I'm not that familiar with telegram. Is that one of the apps like signal that that touts end to end encryption? I believe so. Yes. Cause if you have end to end encryption, then, then it's not possible by design. Um, if instead you have, uh, uh, what was it? It was, uh, was it WhatsApp that, got bought out by Facebook and then they, they silently on the back end changed end to end encryption to it's encrypted from you to Facebook. And then it's encrypted from Facebook to the other end, but we still have the ability to decrypt in the middle and Facebook committing a man in the middle attack on, on all traffic so that they can filter and, and discover when people are, you know, saying something awful, like plotting to, to bomb WTC seven or, or otherwise suggesting that maybe, you know, Trump wasn't a terrible guy. 
Yes. And I don't know what they do with the files if they're if they are treated differently than your messages themselves, because the messages themselves are allegedly encrypted end to end. But I can see where that may not be the case for the files. And they're putting, you know, filters and they're looking at what you're transferring, which would also tell me that's not something you want to be using if you care about privacy. Telegram's up there. So is the one Adam Curry recommended or was asking if anybody was on. uh, That was Signal or there was one uh, session. I think it was session. There was the one that is very similar to talks, but the main difference, which is why I used it for about a half hour and went, no, I, I can't do this, is the group chats had to be hosted on a server, which was just weird. So you basically had to set up a group chat on another entity. So that was no longer person to person. It was not encrypted. So if you were going to set up a grumpy old Ben's chat on signal, we would have to run it on a server and it wouldn't be encrypted, which means why are we using this in the first place? Then if none of this is protected and the interface really sucked, and that's comparing it to the open source uh, QTOX that I've been using for talks. And they also ran into the same problem, which is if you want it on more than one device, they're not able to do that. They were for a while and things got wonky but that is the one downfall of these messengers now that are very much privacy orientated is that if you want to use them over a vast majority of devices you almost need multiple accounts because you're not able to you know transfer this if you take your desktop experience and i've been talking to you on the desktop version of qtox well i can open up qtox on the phone but it's not going to see any of what the desktop did because there's only one logged in at a time. I mean, this is this is a throwback to how we used to do things back in the the this eighties and nineties. Well, nineties, there wasn't much of a connection in the eighties. But when we used to have, you remember when if you wanted to talk to somebody on a particular platform, you had to have an account on that platform, and yes, you wanted to talk to somebody. Yeah, I mean, we survived. If if I wanted to talk to somebody on uh, on my, you know, Indiana Jones forum. You had an Indiana to, Jones forum? No. No, I was just trying to figure it, like trying to guess some some piece of, of Americana from the 90s. And that was the first thing that I came to been mind. Like, you know, piracy group looking, you know, we were, we was doing nibbles away I, early on. Yeah, it says the person who had a, a country music forum. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was getting paid for it. Uh, that's. Besides the the forum that I ran was for a web comic, which is I I think Indiana Jones would be a little bit less uh, embarrassing. Okay, that's fair enough. Do you remember when web uh, God like twenty years ago web comics were a big thing? They made it huge for a while. Well, that was when everybody was excited about. Oh, we can distribute this stuff on the internet now. Everything's distributed on. But every every comic, every every piece of you know every TV show. They all had their own forum and we all, you know, you got a PHPVB for everything. Or, and if, if I wanted to talk on the forum for this webcomic, I had an account there. And then I wanted to talk on the forum for a different webcomic. I created another account there. And as much as it's annoying to create multiple accounts, um, what, what we didn't have was, you know, sign in with Facebook everywhere. 
and there's there's a convenience benefit for having one sign in for a lot of places and i fully understand that and i understand why we got away from it but uh you i think we're seeing what happens when the pendulum goes too far and your your single sign-on is controlled by darth vader and there is something there is a question that comes up because the reality is i mean the biggest thing you lose in a situation like the way Tox and Signal or Session, whatever it is, works, is that you don't have access to all the messages and all the devices. The reality is, should we be saving these messages at all, or should they all, after an hour, once you've had a read receipt, should they just go away? I mean, I understand I'm the same way. I've got as, emails. As a digital archivist, can you yes. really ask that question? Well, I can, because I see both sides of this. I'm like, okay, I want to know. You know, what Ryan told me a year ago when I'm looking at, you know, just to make sure I remember something correctly. Yeah. Just to make sure I can rub his face in it. Exactly. Be like, see, you were wrong, dumbass. Um, But the reality is, if you're into privacy, you probably shouldn't be keeping a log of all of this stuff anyway. So is it really a problem that these devices, you know, you could log on at different times and not be able to scroll back and see what's going on? We're all used to this, which is why. There are programs like the great Void Zero hooked me up with on, and I know people have been using this for decades, but the bouncer for IRC. So you can log in to your IRC account from multiple places and all the stuff that was going on before you logged in. Well, it just shows up. Now that's a beautiful thing. I actually use one of those for completely different. It's so that my back scroll survives reboots. Oh, well, that makes sense. So you don't miss anything when the computer is down for a moment or two, which is good. Yeah. You're keeping an archive, <laughs> which is, I mean, it makes perfect sense why there's a need for this. And the reality is, I'm sure there's a way that they'll figure out to do this with these super secure messengers. But as of now, I'm guessing the problem is that that's every step you add like that, because you would basically then be running the messenger in another instance that you could just connect to. And for the average person, just like my parents with like two factor authentication, the average computer user is not going to know how to do that. I mean, I'm glad Void Zero set this up because I would have been a little bit hairy for me because I'm not I'm out of practice setting stuff up on servers and doing all of the kind of stuff that Void does. Usability is one of the one of the hard problems remaining in every single program these days. uh, the one one thing that I you know I I always worked on systems programming whenever I could in in my career and one of the reasons for that is is I learned early on that when when you are creating a program of any kind that is user facing the first ninety percent of the work is trying to get the back end working and make sure all the functionality is there and then the next ninety percent of the work is trying to get the UI like trying to move get one button to not overlap the other button. Right. And anybody who's worked on CSS <laughs> knows exactly what I'm talking about. The amount of work required to get UI the way you want it is utterly uh, incredible. And it, it, I mean, there's frameworks that, that purport to try to make that easier. And a lot of them basically turn your page into a, a JavaScript driven pile of steaming garbage. But even understanding what makes good ui is is tough well it is and the the main difference is i mean i loved creating websites way back when because everybody was on a screen that was relatively the same size 
You didn't yeah. have to worry about, oh, well, some people are on 60 inch screens and some people are on three inch phones and you want it to kind of last work. time. The last time I really enjoyed writing you user facing interface code was, uh, oh, that'd be for a BBS. Wow. That's, that's, it was, cool. it was text based. See, text is good because it just when, shows you when everybody you just understands that it will print a prompt line on the screen and then it'll ask you to type something in return and that you get to parse that string. I mean, that was a great UI. Why did we ever get away from that? Because it has um, to be pretty. And, and, and now people are so freaking dumb and, and they, they need an app for their rat trap. <laughs> right. You need an app. So, you know, if you killed the rat and uh, it's a weird world. I mean, I had a client that when, and this was the marketing company I did a bunch of work for, and they would be the ones and I really never understood it. They were the, the middleman for me. And it was great because I didn't really want to deal directly with clients overall. I just wanted to do the web design and not have to be the ones, you know, in the meeting with people who come up with crazy stuff that they wanted their. Yeah websites to do uh, back that, to the time. That's the other problem with trying to work on UI is that the clients seem to think that they know what the hell they're talking about and they <laughs> never do. They never do. And we had gone through a bunch of stuff with different websites that I helped them set up. And it was weird because they had somebody on staff that understood like Photoshop and Illustrator. So quite often they would just give me, you know, here's what the screen should look like. And then I would have to break this up down into make it work, which was fine. I mean, I, I charged well for what it was. But when yeah. they were finally coming down to redoing their website, they were like, oh, you know, we saw this cool thing where people go to the site and the the links, you know, they're buttons. But the text, you, know, you don't see any text. They're just buttons. And they're not like obvious things like you would see a photo, which you would understand you know, if you saw a photo of a cheeseburger, that would be food. You know, if you were on a, you know, if you were on a McDonald's site or something. No, these were just like randomized shapes that were floating around. And, you know, they wouldn't see what the link was until they like, you know, hovered over it or clicked so, on it. So they're they're trying to turn their website into a scum game. Yes. Yes. And I was like, 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 OK, we would like. We would like our users to have to play King's Quest in order to do the where where you have to find you know, go pixel hunting and click on this one little thing to get to the page that they want. But only if they've already clicked on this one and they have the key and then they've gone and, you know, gone down the hallway to the toilet and fished into the toilet to find the gold. I, I mean, yeah, we've all played that. We we back in the eighties, we used to make a game out of it where the the pixel hunting games. That doesn't mean it makes good UI for your website. No, not for people to find things. And oh, what a perfect Silicon Valley callback quote from Sir Matthew in the troll room. Hot dog or not hot dog? Uh, was a great show. That was a great show. And if you're not in the troll room, the chat room, when we do these shows Monday and Friday at noon Eastern, you're missing out on all the fun. You can go to grumpyoldbens.com and get the link, or you could just go to noagendastream.com to get in on all of the fun when we're doing these shows. But yeah, they wanted, and it was Flash, of course. So, I mean, I I have to say, oh. <laughs> Flash, Flash finally being dead is such a great thing. Yes. I, I can't even... There are, there are very few webmasters out there who regret that. And I would tell you, I can't even count. I would be underestimating vastly 
how many times I had to talk people out of a flash site when it was like, no, it's the best and greatest thing. It'll be around forever. Like, no, <laughs> no, I don't think it will. So, you know what? You know what? Technology seems to have a lot of staying power and also a lot of usability. Interact- it's called HTML. Yes, it's still around. It's still secure. Way more than it, any it's of these interoperative. Yeah, it, it, it it's functional. It's accessible. You don't you don't automatically screw over people with vision impairments with because, you know, the flash widget couldn't be resized. Right. And I, I may have mentioned this here before, but that link to join No Agenda Social at GrumpyOldBenz.com slash it's flash enabled. No, it's not flash enabled. But one of the people that commented thanking for that link is legally blind and couldn't get into the troll room to get that link. So it's like this is. One of the reasons why there's a little breakdown of forcing people to get into an IRC chat room to request the link. And to me, especially having lost the vision in the right eye and only have one crappy eye left, it was nice to know we did at least something good with that by offering that link that could be used without jumping through the hoops because accessibility is a big thing. We've talked about that before, and I'm sure we will continue to do so, especially with the colorblind. It's a lot of things that when people are coming up, like my client back then with the, well, just have the links not labeled and floating around. I mean, if you want to test people's hand eye coordination, you know, for them to be able to hire you, I don't get it. But there's yeah. a lot of things that go into the Internet that aren't quite thought out perfectly yet. And it's good to point that out. I, I, I'm well aware of this uh, being that. OK, when when you were talking about the chat apps. Um, I went ahead and did a, a search because I wanted to see where uh, where Telegram fit amongst all of the other apps. And there's, you know, there's three dozen apps. But so I went and did a search for a comparison uh, between uh, different chat apps. And I first came across securemessagingapps.com. And if you get a chance, go ahead and poke your face in there and tell me what the first thing that infuriated me about this page was. <laughs> Is this a new game? What it, it might be uh, secure messaging apps. Yeah, account. here I'll drop the I'll drop the link in the troll room. Um, yeah, so well, yeah, no, I I really and by the way, they don't even list tell they they list they list Telegram, but they don't recommend it. Uh, but oh. I was just poking through, like, okay, what apps are here? What can we do? Tell me what the first thing that infuriated me about this page was the color coding of the <laughs> of the of the cells. Uh, all I see is a giant. Excel spreadsheet where they've color coded all the cells in a sea of red and green blobs. Yes, which is exactly what the website looks like. I don't know if this is the same guy or not that does all the VPN stuff. And it's a huge, huge spreadsheet type thing with all color coded red and green, red for bad, green for good. And uh, yeah, for folks that can't see color, that's uh, that's not very useful. And there's no I mean, if you're going to do that. That is absolutely fine to do because a vast majority of people can consume this, but you should have a button on the site that says convert this to something that works. Yeah. Or uh, I I actually do have a button in my browser because I have a, I have a plugin that I can use that rewrites the CSS so that I can just change colors. But sometime, and and in this case, in the case of that one, uh, what what I end up doing is I'll just go into the, the CSS and change the colors to things that are not quite so awful. Like, like, the easy one for me is changing all the green blobs to blue blobs. And then it, I can see it just fine. Uh, 
but every once in a while something uses so many different colors that it it's impossible to just remap them uh, into things uh, like the the problem is that you are conveying information with color and uh I will give this this particular example is not the worst in the world for the simple reason that every every single blo- colored blob has text explaining either good or bad. And if I want to read all the text, then I will understand that. Okay, uh, you know that it says you know no independent code audit. Okay, that that's considered a bad thing, so we might not use that. Um, the information is available; it's just harder to get. Yes, and what but I'm accessibility taking from this- is accessibility is is really important and it's another one of the things that not nearly enough developers think of when they're making ui the reason for that is ui is hard but it's also it's really important if you want to create something that isn't frustrating for your users as uh as one of our podcasting friends uh matt cox from the 2030 podcast likes to point out blind lives matter yes yeah i was listening to that last night and i start i mean this again i usually put the earbuds in before going to sleep and unfortunately fell asleep before they got, they played my uh, bit that I did the whole uh, Paul Harvey bit on if I were the devil and they included that in. So I'm like, oh, I want to hear what they said. And, but I fell asleep. So I'll try again tonight. I, they, they, they played it from your podcast and I, you know what? That segment was pretty good. <laughs> I, I, Paul Harvey was a legend. I mean, the night before I tried listening to uh, rare encounter with Abel Kirby and cold acid, and it got about 10 minutes in. That's the problem with doing this. Like when going, they, to they bed. sound like Paul Harvey. <laughs> no, I mean, I, they wish they would. I mean, although Abel Kirby does actually have that old timey radio sound to him. I like the way he does stuff. I mean, cold acid just sounds like Bill Gates on a bad day. I didn't have a problem with Paul Harvey's it, it sound, uh, the old timey radios. I mean, it was, it was a throwback and it was a little weird when, uh, it, I used to listen to talk radio in the car. And he'd come on and I'm like, okay, this is a kind of a shock changing from the, the modern, Hey, how's it going? This is daytime radio. And, and, and then suddenly switch over. I'm Paul Harvey. Right. Right. I had a problem with his cadence for some reason. I don't know. It just made it hard to listen to for me. It was a little sing songy. Uh, it was now when, when I did listen to it, I like what he was saying was fantastic. I just had a trouble listening to his cadence. Yes. Great content, uh, that the guy brought this, this big file here. We're just looking at these secure. What I'm taking away from this secure messaging thing is they all kind of suck. And I'm also wondering how do you consume this information? If you are vision impaired, I mean, that would make this. Well, you, you read a lot of text. Yeah. And in the just up and down and up and down and trying to keep things sorted. Yeah. Not so easy, but yeah, it's, it's, it is, it is laid out like an Excel spreadsheet, which is, uh, is a great way to Excel. As anybody knows, uh, Excel is a great way to compute data. Um, but what a lot of people don't seem to realize and really should figure out is that it's really not a great way to present data. No, no, it's not. It could be done better. And I would like to see on the, somebody that's doing a site like this that, I mean, okay, he has three, four, five, what, like 15 or so different things that he's looking at from Facebook Messenger, Skype to Telegram in session. I would like to see a, just something that says, here's all the data coming up. 
But here's what we would recommend you use if you want privacy. Here's what yeah. to use if you're on this platform. And they want you just to do the work, which is fine. I mean, this is a great place for research. But a vast majority of people, they want to just be told, well, what do you think is best? Yeah. The the vast majority of people who, who you know, I, I did a search on compare messaging apps or something like that. And the vast majority of people who do that search and end up on a page like this, the one thing that they want is not they don't want to know, uh, you know, it, all of the details and all of the text. And there's certainly right. a lot of text in here I haven't read. Uh, a lot of it is yes and no, but you you also have to scroll up and down to see, OK, which app is which. But the one question everybody wants when they come to this, the first thing is, which app should I use? Right. What do you recommend? Yeah. And uh, that's not here. So I mean, that can make it better. I mean, the, the first row is, do we recommend this app, which is is pretty decent. I'll give them credit for that. But yes. It, and then there's a lot of there's a lot of red, even in the ones they recommend. So, oh, yeah. There's there's interesting information there. There's nothing that a, I just don't believe there's anything that a company, an entity puts out that is ever going to check all of the boxes. It's going to have to be an open source solution, which means it has to be completely decentralized without yeah. anybody looking at what you're doing. And and the other thing that that is worth pointing out is it, it, the the number one consideration for any person who's looking for a, a chat app is not going to be on here and and is actually not going to have anything to do with security in mind it is where are the people that i want to talk with and yeah. if if the people that you want to talk with are on facebook then it the it becomes a very the the incentive is very high to install facebook even though you, even if you know that this is awful and is destroying you and you should only run it in a VM in a closed bunker with no internet connectivity because that's the only way to make the app safe. Um, if if that's where everybody you want to talk to is, then there is a very strong incentive. Now, you can always be that guy who's like, I'm not going to talk to you on Facebook. You need to go and, and create a talks ID. And, and if you want to talk to me, my ID is OC761532. Right. Well, it's much longer okay. than that. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's a lot longer. And I've got the tox ID and I know cold acid and a few other people truck driver were over there and really there's nothing going on. So I forget to open it now because you have to be where the eyeballs are, which is why Twitter is still a thing, which is why Facebook is still a thing. Uh, Twitter was in the news again for a variety of reasons. I, I don't think that should surprise anybody. No, no. But, Twitter is the news half the time. Yeah. And it turns out that their users have been dropping for like three quarters in a row, which I guess is concerning to the people that are investing in the company. Yeah, I was going to say uh, <laughs> Dorsey's probably fine. He's like good riddance. They're all, you know, they're all Nazis and a-holes, but what? the the people who in who hold Twitter stock are like, excuse me, we're trying to make money and we're losing our shorts on GameStop over here. So maybe if you could not destroy Twitter also, it'd be nice. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is on a call with the board, whatever it is, with the investors, Dorsey was talking about a project they're calling Blue Sky. Have you heard about this at all? I am not familiar. I was not either. I guess this was first talked about in 2019 but it is twitter's answer to decentralization which 
there's not a ton because the fediverse doesn't i oh because they don't control it of course well yes i mean that's i'm trying to figure out exactly what the reasoning behind this was and i mean there's a bunch of coverage on this it was on uh i heard about it on the daily tech whatever show that i just recently found i didn't know tom Merritt and sarah lane do a daily tech show and it's <laughs> yes they left as soon ever since they left twit in 2014 wow so i mean i mean it's, it's, it's their marketing hasn't been great i well <laughs> That's interesting. Well, because I was, uh, I, I I listened to Tom Merritt's show on on Twit when he did the daily t- tech news today or whatever it was. Right. And I always, I have always been a fan of Tom Merritt's analysis and what he does. And I've always hated just about everything about Sarah Lane <laughs> and the way that she presents stuff and her, and the way she injects her opinion randomly without any warrant and and when. Tom left Twit. I became a huge, huge listener of his show right up until he brought Sarah Lane back on. And I'm like, yeah, I can't listen to this anymore. That was my takeaway. After watching one or two episodes of this, I went into the troll room where uh, the trolls live. And I'm like, I, I didn't realize this was a thing. And I said something about sarah lane i'm like maybe this was just a bad day but sarah lane just seems like dead inside like the the what she's bringing to the table is <laughs> well she she worked for leo laporte for that, four or five years that'll do it that kills your soul that kills your will to want to to have any kind of energy whatsoever and you know the answer in the troll room from i forget who it was was like well yeah that's that's just sarah lane <laughs> so it's like okay not a big uh not a big props for the show i like the idea of getting the tech news regularly but it was very much seems to be just reading stories off the screen which i know we refer to stories but we at least try to do some analysis behind them why things are happening what may end up happening and that and this just seemed like kind of having your device whether it's google or the amazon device just read you random stories from tech blogs that's kind of what this show feels like to me and you're right i liked tom Merritt, and this just seemed like he was although it seems like he's still on like five or six shows so maybe this is his call in you know not really do much work for it show and i went to their patreon page because i was kind of curious and they had over four thousand people on the patreon page so they're they're making money they're making a lot yeah. of money on that show um the Tom Tom Merritt was one of the main reasons why I ended up creating a Patreon account way back in the day because I was a patron of both his Daily Tech News show and of Cord Killers that he does with Brian Brushwood. Yeah, which is for those I'm not a regular follower, but I've seen enough of those to where it's like, well, yeah, this I like Tom Merritt, but on this at least the last couple episodes, the the few that I've seen recently of the Daily Tech Show was like he's just there to do the bare minimum and. I want a little bit really? more energy. I, I always got the impression that he, he did uh, quite a bit of research. I mean, you know, when you're doing it every single day and yes. and reading all of this tech news every single day, that's got to be soul destroying. And I, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't want to do it. I mean, trying to do that twice a week is painful. And I always just be I mean, like, okay, well, I've got I've got about 80 lines of notes now. I'm going to stop just for my own sanity. Yeah, I'm giving it a try, though. I've been watching it, like I said, two or three days in a row now. And we'll see how, as of yet, it's okay. not, I miss the early days 
of uh, with Patrick Norton. What was it called? Because it was Techzilla. It was Tech was something. It, uh, Patrick Norton did Techzilla uh, before Twit. Uh, Tom Merritt did Buzz Out Loud. I don't remember that, but the the tech show that I liked was Patrick Norton with um, the girl before Snubs. I can't remember her name now. Uh, the gamer girl, Veronica. Veronica. Yes, Veronica yeah, Belmont. Veronica Belmont. Yeah, her and Patrick Norton together. I really liked that tech show. I, I thought they did a good job with it. Yeah, yeah. And that was there were, there were a lot of really good tech shows back in the day. And the the funny thing is that they all tended to orbit around the the Twit Network, who really were groundbreaking in. You know, if if you take if you take the Twit Network of ten years ago and remove Leo, what you had was the (laughs) the peak of all tech news blogging in in one. I mean, the you weren't even ten years ago. You were not getting useful news from the mainstream media, but it was a network of podcasts and kind of an orbit. Everybody was orbiting around that area that all pretty much got. I mean, that 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 was where I got a lot of my tech news from because it was good. And moving and then, it into the video space was genius. Eh, I mean, you know, <laughs> I still listen to it on audio. I'm sure you do. But that, that having both there and this is kind of like Bill O'Reilly show. Now, it is both on radio and on television, the same exact show. So building a show that works on both twit has always been that way, which is if you want to sit down on the couch and turn the television on and watch it. That was an okay experience as opposed to, you know, it would be rare to go sit on the couch and listen to a podcast for three hours. You know, the addition of video. But but I would, I would challenge you for the, this is, I'm going to put this out there for the, the twit challenge. uh, And that is go, go try two different things, preferably with two different episodes because nobody should ever listen to this twice. (laughs) Um, First of all, go sit down on the couch and watch an episode of twit, the video. And then the second one, sit on the couch, do the same thing, listen to the full episode of Twit, and on the video, put something you want to watch, like porn or, or Pink <laughs> Floyd or something, I don't, or, 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 or a static image of a cat or anything, and tell me which of those is a better experience. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, if, if Leo's on, I mean, there's, uh, there's, you know, that's just me. No, Leo porn does not count. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I don't want to be mean to Leo. He is a yes, ground, you do. he's a guy too, but he was a groundbreaking guy and he did innovate a lot of things. And for people just getting involved in tech, he's the greatest person you could listen to. Because if somebody's going to call up and be like, I don't know how to hook up my new ring yeah. doorbell, he'll, he'll help you. Be- because he's an idiot full of buzzwords. And that's exactly the first thing that you introduction you need when you don't know anything about tech. It's dazzling. Yes. Yeah, it is. There's no question about it. But, I, you know, yeah, I, I was listening to some vinyl the other day. I had the TV on before and it was on the Roku and it went into I, I said the other day because somebody mentioned they were watching their uh, aquarium screensaver or whatever on Roku. And I'm like, oh, I never even realized there were different screensavers. So I went in. And it, <laughs> this looks like a big ass fish tank. And I was just kind of amazed, like, oh, why? OK. Oh, I I had a. I don't have a, a Roku here, but my brother has one. And I had a, an evening over there where uh, we were drinking and I was just at that level where everything was fascinating. And I vaguely <laughs> recall like 15 minutes straight staring at the cityscape screensaver on his Roku <laughs> and just uh, like tracing it all and trying to name all of the monuments and landmarks and stuff. And, you know, the space needle was in there and, 
and so was the, the Sears Tower or whatever the hell it's called now. And the Willis I, Tower. It, it's it'll always be the Sears Tower. Agree. You're like, hey, you're like, hey, man, check this out. Look, man, this is yeah. crazy stuff on the screen, man. And Ben looks like, Sorry. have another drink. Yes, and that was exactly <laughs> what we did. <laughs> but I digress. Now, this blue sky. They say there's been a team working on this since 2019. It says it prov- this is an article from Business Insider. The project presents a new model for social media platforms. It offers an alternative to traditional centralized platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. These sites are closed platforms. Yeah, we, we get that. They're like Blue Sky will take inspiration from email, whereby users with different addresses can reach out to each other regardless of what server that they use. Well, we get it. They're talking about decentralizing. They talked yeah. about this. Tom Merritt was like, well, Mastodon exists, but they don't interface. It's like, yeah, so I what, this what? Oh, well, Twitter doesn't know. Correct. Yeah. Twitter does not, which I would think it would be a fairly easy switch to flip if Twitter really wanted to join in on the Fediverse that they would be able to do so. So what they're doing, I don't know, because they're putting this is like it's still in the planning phase. It's been about two years now. And they're still just in the okay, planning. Two, two years is forever in planning. Yes. It's I, I you know, Mastodon was was conceived and created within six months because they were I mean, it was a bunch of open source people who were like, well, we don't have to spend all of our time in corporate meetings. We're just going to do it. Yes. Uh, said uh, Dorsey said that a small independent team of up to five open source architects, engineers and designers are working on Blue Sky. That was the initial thing back in 2019 people familiar with the matter told TechCrunch in january up to 50 people from the decentralized tech community are surveying the project and planning proposals for what blue sky should look like it's like i mean really i, I, I mean is it okay. that hard i mean if you're looking for a decentralized answer to twitter then maybe it should look like mastodon yes you know, uh, and, and maybe it should federate. And why are you creating something new? And I, I knowing absolutely nothing about this, I guess my question is, uh, they, you know, they've done the analysis. What is it about Mastodon that makes them think that, okay, well, we have to go reinvent the wheel. And what is the motivation behind that? And I think that I really like, would like to know is uh, what, what do you think? What what aspect of this do you think that you would be able you, you need to be able to control that makes you want to completely reinvent uh, decentralized social networking? Right, because then who are you decentralized with? That's the question with decentralization: is that you're not alone anymore. It's not one closed system. You want to interact with other services. I think the quote from Dorsey from the phone call this week on Thursday says it all when he said. Well, decentralization can be a way to, quote, address some of the problems that is facing Section 230. So, yeah, you know, well, this- I, I mean, you know, let's let's start by addressing some of the problems facing social media today. Oh, and Twitter is one of them. And we've made Mastodon and that addresses that next. Yeah. Yeah. Integrate with Mastodon. And then I mean, they think they're saying, at least this is what he's telling the shareholders, Dorsey, that this will increase. Twitter's usage. They're like, well, we could sell this and it would be easier for people to roll their own social networks to social, you know, if you want to do a, you know, just a grumpy old Ben's network, well, we could do that and use their technology and still be a part of Twitter. But, you know, then we could have our own small little group of people that 
which I mean, it kind of makes sense where you could break down. I mean, again, depending on if anybody's in control of the content. Now, if Twitter is really going to go decentralized and say, you can have the grumpy old bands, we'll help you build this. And then you get to choose what content is allowed or what's not. I'm not sure Twitter is in the position to do that. Although I well, they, could they see, have a lot of money and a lot of engineers. Yes. And I, and I could see that this would be their way right now of going, Oh crap. Uh, as we talked about governments in Poland, Hungary, uh, there was another one out in the EU talking about freedom of speech. If it's free to say in Poland, for instance, you have to allow it on Twitter. Otherwise you'll be fined. I can see Twitter as much as a left leaning, heavy handed, come down on all free speech company that they are now. If they were able to pull that ripcord and go, Hey, it's decentralized now, man. We can't moderate anybody. That um, they they can't. There's no way they can do that without firing half their staff first. The, the well, company is to. infested. The company is infested by wokeness, and as we've seen in a number of companies, any time that that a company starts to make a move that doesn't follow its woke agenda, if it's infested, then the entire you know, they end up with an employee revolt inside of the company. Yes, and very very few companies um have had. The wherewithal to say, okay, if if you want to compromise our corporate profitability and mission by implementing your wokeness, then you're free to not be working here anymore. Very few companies have said that. Uh, Coinbase was one of the the only one that comes to mind right now. But yes. It, it, I, okay. I I really don't know anything about this blue sky, but I'm going to go into uninformed speculation mode based on what you just said yes and again it's I, basically just twitter saying oh we're interested in decentralization and maybe this can help us with 230 and the the decentralization that they want is they want to uh get you know right now uh twitter twitter.com and the associated infrastructure are a single point of failure type of thing for for their system and they want they certainly want to get rid of that and you know, this is why, for example, people put up a CDN on the technical side. Um, there are some significant benefits of decentralization. Uh, I and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if if Dorsey has made statements to the contrary, but I don't believe for a moment that the you know one of they see as a benefit of decentralization that it removes the chance of a single point of censorship, uh, that it removes the ability for one company to control. I think that uh, one of the reasons why they wouldn't go with an existing decentralized infrastructure is they don't want to be that decentralized. They would like the technological advantages to having servers all over the place. As long as it's still Twitter corporation, right? That controls all of them decentralized, but you know, under our control, which doesn't make sense. It, it, It doesn't. I mean, at that point, you're just peer to peer. And if that's what they want, then I mean, that's a great idea. But if it's still, if, if I can't set up a server and connect to their system with a server that I fully control, then it's not really decentralized. It's still a walled garden. Right. Oh, yeah. Welcome to CompuServe. Yeah. For everybody old enough or AOL. <laughs> AOL was a prodigy before AOL. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's mentioning Section 230 and the fact that we are dealing with things like the Poland 
issue. I can yeah. see where Twitter is going. You know what? If laws around the world start changing, and I'm not sure what the likelihood of that is, but you know, Poland's at least setting a good example. If these things start happening, I can see where Twitter now has some very important questions to to go through because their really woke moderating team who wants to silence all of the right leaning speech will yep. now be getting the company tens of thousands of dollars in fines every day. If and they, they certainly want to keep their their woke moderating team. That much is certain. But. I think that the benefit of decentralization that they want is, and, and, and you know, again, on the technical side, what they want is to be able to get around national firewalls. What they want is right. for Poland not to be for for Uganda and India to not be able to block Twitter in their country when Twitter does something awful, like tries to meddle in an election. Right. Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing. Now we're talking about Twitter and decentralization. In the same week where they permanently suspended the Project Veritas account, because, you know, doing journalism. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One of the few people doing journalism. I, 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 I think that they need to invest in better audio hardware, but right. they're they're doing journalism. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to mic those people that you're, you're getting onto yeah. camera without them wanting to. But Twitter, this is the choice they're going to have to I, make. You know, it, it's not that hard and they could get better audio. I honestly think that at least some of their really crappy worse than analog cell phone quality audio is, is kind of a gimmick to make people think that what they're doing is more authentic because if it sounds like you mic somebody, then people are going to argue that, that you set it up just a side note. Oh yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that the audio is as hard as they make it out to be. I think that they play it up to make it, you know, Oh, well this was really an unauthentic, you know, that, uh, well, yeah, like, recording. like Jimmy Kimmel doing a show from home where he has to sound like, hey, I'm doing the show from home rather than, you know, yeah. having a microphone in front of him because, you know, audio is hard. No, there's no question about it, but it's not that hard. But Twitter, there's they're all over the place when it comes to so many things. I guess the guy that was one of the founders of the Lincoln Project in a little bit of hot water. And I don't have enough information on the story. Beyond uh, allegedly, he was grooming like teenage boys on Twitter, which is, uh, I mean, I guess that's one good use that that Twitter says is okay because <laughs> they looked into this guy. And again, I don't have the information. I don't know exactly what the messages were or anything like that. I'm not that interested in anybody that just founded a group to be orange man bad. I don't really care. I mean, the fact that the guy's probably most likely maybe a bad person doesn't really surprise me, but. The one thing I took out of this article on the Breitbart was the Twitter's rules against unwanted sexual advances. Now, I didn't know Twitter had rules against this. They they do. And they're like, the only unwanted sexual advancements that are allowed is by Democrat politicians. Uh, Oh, wait. Right. If it's if your name is Hunter Biden, everything's okay. Yeah. But the rules are threefold, it looks like, and very simple. One, unwanted sexual discussion of someone's body. Now. How do you prevent this on Twitter? So if I go on Twitter right now and say, hey, AI. that's Sir Matthew. He's he's a sexy beast, man. Am I getting pulled off of there? Sir Matthew's like, I don't want no, you talking because, about me. No, because Sir Matthew is he he's an attention whore. And of course, he wants that. <laughs> I mean, that just is such a weird, like unwanted sexual See, discussion he's right now in the troll room. Fuck. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm sexy. sexy. <laughs> you are Sir Matthew. And it's that French Canadian accent. 
that sets you over the top. No question about it. So, yeah, Twitter says no unwanted sexual discussion of someone's body, which I think happens like every second on Twitter. Somebody is making a comment about somebody. So which is amazing, given that it, it unless you post pictures out there, it's not like people can see each other. No, I mean, well, that's why it's mainly talking about celebrities and stuff like that. But number two on the list of rules against unwanted sexual advances, it prohibits solicit solicitation of sexual acts. So that's that's not a blurry area or anything. No, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, really, uh, I I mean, if I went on Twitter and said, fuck you, Darren O'Neill. I mean, that is, was, is that a solicitation? Was it a question? I mean, was there a question mark after? I mean, then maybe <laughs> if there is a if there is an exclamation point after that, it would probably be seen as an angry statement of aggression, an angry now, solicitation for sex. <laughs> yeah, see, that's OK. If there is a question mark at the end, that makes it solicitation of a that's OK, a solicitation of a sexual act. Got to get the S's in right. And the last one was any other content that otherwise sexualizes an individual without their consent again how do you moderate this that that's that's way open for interpretation yes any other that's like that's like inciting violence or or in you know inciting an erection in the capital even more so otherwise sexualizes an individual without their consent so i guess everybody if you don't want to be sexualized on twitter you could probably just post a tweet that says do not talk about me at all. Otherwise, you'll go to jail. Do you remember when the if, if somebody made a wolf whistle to you on the street? I don't know if this happened to you. It happened to me all the time. If, if Where somebody were you walking? Then, Boys Town? <laughs> downtown Seattle. Oh, okay. Exactly. D- downtown Seattle. Um, the, the solution was ignore it and move on with your life. You remember when that was that was the advice? What what happened to that? Well, we decided that we were a society that had to punish everybody for the smallest things, whether they were deemed acceptable or not. I mean, the reality of the situation comes down to, and we've heard multiple stories about this, which you could just have a female coworker and you could just say, hey, hey, you're looking good today. Or, hey, I like the way you did your hair. And that was turned from what was meant as a innocent compliment allegedly to sexual harassment and i understand there are levels of everything but it got to that point to where any small statement about somebody's appearance has become verboten for some reason and i don't understand why Uh, you don't well I, i guess i understand if you're trying to get into the concept of totally limiting speech on all okay, sorts of you different do levels. understand then yeah okay Just limit your speech limit your speech you can't say anything i mean i really i want to know what happens to somebody with tourette's do you get a special card because people with tourette's can't usually control what they're saying and if we're going to start putting people in prison for saying the wrong word taken out of context against having tourette's I, that would put things in context but without putting things in context somebody just saying whatever it is that happens to be illegal in your part of the world, you don't have any choice over that if you have a medical condition like Tourette's. So what do you do with those folks? Um, You just lock them in a mental ward and, and then forget that they exist. I, 
Probably. That, that was a solution back in the 1800s. That sounds like what might have happened in, uh, you know, Hitler's Germany. But I mean, hey, the ant- it's funny because, you know, they're the anti-fascists, those Antifa people. Yes. <laughs> but they really act like fascists. I don't, yeah, I don't yes, understand. they do. I'm but, confused. But fortunately, they are uh, so incredibly ignorant of history that they don't realize that they're repeating what happened before. And that ignorance is what allows them to keep up their activities. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to cycle back at some point to uh, to the iOS 14 thing. Let's because circle I back. finally I finally calmed down After. about your your original iOS 14. Well, you they, know, they, Ryan, logins. What the? They require your phone they, number. No. It, um. So the iOS 14 story that I had uh, was it regarding the safe browsing feature that uh, well that that Google had came out with a while back, and you're every, everybody's familiar with this feature. It's the one that says when you when you go to a website, then every once in a while, uh, it, you know, because everyone uses Chrome. Chrome will pop up and say, uh, this, this site has been accused of, of phishing attacks or, you know, something evil like this site has malware or this site is trying to steal your data or, or the owner of this site voted for Trump or something, you know, something deplorable. <laughs> yeah. The worst and, that is the worst one. And, and Google will pop up a giant scary thing instead of showing you the site. And then, uh, if you're lucky there, you might be able to find the tiny little three pixel button that says, yeah, I get it. Show me the site anyway. If you're lucky, but that's not always there. Um, Google does that by uh, it's it's called Google safe browsing. Um, if you know, Google will periodically scan their index. Uh, they they do, in fact, have one of the largest repositories in the entire world of of every single website out there because they you know, they've got the Google index. Um, they scan the index. They look for uh, whatever key markers they throw an AI at it, which tries to use some kind of AI heuristics to decide if any freedom of speech is happening on the website, for example. Um, and if Google has decided that a site is unsafe, uh, ultimately after all this scanning, they, they have a list of these are sites that are unsafe. And in Chrome and Android, if they decide that you, a site is unsafe, they just don't let you visit the site. Um, the way that they determine this on, on the user end is that every time that you attempt to visit a website, they send the, the URL gets sent to Google for every page that you visit to check against the index. Uh, the argument for this, of course, is, is what I just gave, which is that they have to check every time you click on a link, they have to check if what you just tried to click on is taking you to a malware site. Well, that seems like a really noble goal, but I just told you that what it means is that in Chrome, for example, um, every single time that you click on a site with default settings, the URL you're sending is getting sent to Google. Now, Google being an advertising company, that sure is a lot of really nice data, knowing exactly what you click on everybody's search history everywhere all the time. Well, no, but they're doing it for your safety, Ryan. You're yes. misunderstanding. Yes, they are making tons of money on your search history for your safety. <laughs> yeah. And more importantly, they are. Uh, you know, <laughs> we don't know what that algo is doing. For all I know, they, you know, they might be taking yours or my search history and 
collecting it and going, okay, this person has clicked on the Epoch Times too many times and and keep this guy keeps going to bleeping computer and this guy keeps going to uh you know the Babylon B and these people are obviously horrible conservatives and therefore uh, they you know they run a you know they appear to own a site called Grumpy Old Ben so let's throw Grumpy Old Ben's onto the index whatever the case is uh if like me you don't trust Google as far as you can contact them on the phone um this is creepy as hell yes well um Apple Safari uses the safe browsing feature. Um, however, even, Apple are they Sa- even pretending that they are obfuscating this information from you, or are they just right straight out like, "Well, we're tracking everything"? Or are they at least pretending like we uh, we're who, not collecting Apple or Google? Either one. I I, I don't think Google's particularly pretending. Um, they do. Uh, they do say that they only store the domain of what you clicked on. Although frankly, that's enough yes. to build a picture of you. Pornhub, um, Pornhub, red tube, Pornhub, Harry hamster, whatever. Yeah. I mean, the, those are the sites that I click on every day, but it, it Apple actually has uh, in Safari has uh, here's, here's what they claim. And this is, this is at least a little bit better. They say they hash the prefix of the URL and they, they call it information calculated from the website address. Now, in order to compare against the index of, of evil domains, I think that that information still needs to be available to Google. So I don't know that this helps very much. Um, but here's the big change. Um, up, up until previous versions, uh, what people got whenever you use Safari was you would get the the hashed URL, which Google can, I'm pretty sure Google can decode that coming in from your IP address, from your phone, from your Mac, whatever. Um, and then Google would grant that request. Google has long logs of every IP that ever did this. So when they see a list that says, you know, I, I clicked on rare encounter four times this week, then they can tie that to an IP address and know damn well when you're doing a, a Google search that they can show you Bill Gates vaccines and you'll buy um, Apple in iOS 14.5 continuing Apple's uh, crusade or at least uh, moving against other Silicon Valley companies. And, and for this move, I, I applaud them. Um, they are now proxying all safe browsing requests through Apple servers. What this means is if <laughs> you trust Apple, more if you trust Apple more than Google, this is a plus. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> you, you just nailed my big concern with it. Oh, okay. Man. Now Apple has your information. Now yeah. uh, I, my, I am a big proponent of the internet is a dangerous place. Cover your ass. I always turn this safe searching off because I don't want Google deciding for me whether or not a site is good. Uh, case in point, Google has blocked no agenda multiple times uh, in the last several years because of one thing or another that got linked there or uh, it, it's just i mean adam has bitched about it on the no agenda show because uh you know google even in google's fact they say sites can be added in minutes if a uh if if they detect malware uh but they say in order to remove it you have to quote request a malware review in the google webmaster tools which by the way requires that you sign in with a Google account and download their tools. Yeah. So done that. That's, that's yeah, happened to my I, sites in the past. 
And and if you do that, they say that within 24 to 48 hours, you should be removed. Okay, that means your site is is killed in minutes, but not even if you go through all the correct hoops and and sign up for an account and go through, uh, then it takes 48 hours. Yeah, well, that's where people are actually involved and that. I'll give them a little bit of leeway because what like it happened to me, it was a WordPress site that was just sitting there and never being updated because i just forgot about the site and it was overrun with uh with malware so it was hacked and all that so i get why it happened and i there is a use for it but you know it's just another a way to to control because it's very easy then just to be like no, there's there's a problem with your site. I, I might be I might be uh you know a minority whack job here who thinks this is a problem, but I am really bothered by the fact that they force you to uh to download an executable and sign up for an account just to I don't think you need to download your, an executable, you just need to uh, have well, an no, I'm sure I'm sure their webmaster tools are probably all JavaScript based. Of course. It makes everything work really easily. I guess it all comes down yeah. to who you which which by the way uh, if in case anybody hasn't ever listened to an episode of Grumpy Old Ben's, any time that you run JavaScript from a website, what you are doing is downloading and running their code. But anyway, and that's bad. I keep forgetting. It's it, it, it's something about uh, uncontrolled third party code. Just yeah, that's a thing. Now this whole uh, idea of who's monetizing pro- your content, I will say, this is yet another reason. And we did the review on the Winston privacy device. They did send me one for free. Just want to put that out there. I don't pay for the service. They included that with the device they sent me. But this device really does a lot of things that protect against exactly what you're talking about, which is obfuscating your IP, sending out, you know, having middlemen in between you and the outside world is really a good idea if you don't want to be trapped. And and automatically they have a little bit more credit than Apple or Google by uh, for the simple reason that they're not Apple or Google. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They're Chicago based and all these devices don't log. And you mean, again, people are like, well, how do you know? I'm like, well, until somebody proves them wrong, I'll go along with yeah. what they Wh- say, which is not a great argument, but honestly is already years ahead of Apple or Google. Yes. Yes. Because you know exactly what you're getting with Apple. With Google, the interesting thing with Google is they control the world's advertising. That is, I mean, forget about anything else. That's where they have a monopoly because of the fact that they have the search engine that I don't have the numbers, the latest ones in front of me. But I think Google, the last we checked, weren't they doing like 85 percent of the world search? It's 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 a crazy number. Yeah, it's it, in in the U.S. I think that places like Bing and Yahoo have something like thirty percent. But you go out to Europe and and if if you aren't using Google for all of your searching, then you are you may as well not. You're, you're probably not European. <laughs> and how did we not know this way back when? If we would have just known us a, a great search engine was where we needed to be. That we could have been billionaires by now, multi times over. First time I heard of Google was I was in college and um, I thought about it. I was like, oh, this is really, you know, when, when I, the first time that I heard how the page rank algorithm was working, I was like, oh, they're, they're using income inbound links to determine whether something is good or you know, bad. Like I could have come up with that. Yes. And if you would have, 
you probably wouldn't be podcasting today. Yeah, you- <laughs> but at the fraternity house, I was way too drunk for most of that. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I remember a day when Yahoo actually had real people, real live human beings. If you submitted your site's link, that would look at it and then either decide to add it and and where in their structured approach of a web index where it would go it's like wow how far yeah. we've come the the last time that we that i well the last time i worked in the search engine space was on uh, uh msn search which uh it later became live search and then eventually became bing but uh on that one we we had uh we had three or four layers of of search results so whenever a search result came in um we would the the way the msn search index worked was it would take your terms and it would submit them to the first index which was the list of paid links and if you didn't get enough hits then it would submit them to the next index which was uh uh, a purchased index of sponsored links from places like uh, I think Ex- Expedia had. Uh, I don't remember, but uh, there there was like I think we had fourteen different providers, and what we would would do is we ranked the providers all the way from the top to the bottom, and the very bottom one was the only one that was web spidered. So in order, whenever you got a a search term came in, it would say, "Okay, does." This engine list of paid links have anything? Does this one have anything? Does this one have anything? Until we filled up a full page of results. And if all of our page, all of our paid links didn't have the results we needed from that term, then we'd go ahead and send it off to, uh, Ink to Me was the, the engine. And the, the reason why we ranked Ink to Me from a business perspective was, uh, if, if it showed up in the, I want to say Expedia, but I don't think that's right. But if it showed up in the list of paid links, or especially if it showed up in our own links, then we got paid for that search page to be displayed. But if we had to go all the way out to the web crawled result, we paid money for those results. And so we definitely wanted to make sure that our sponsored link index was better. So it it was the, the whole thing made me really not want to i never wanted to use our own search engine for that reason it was like it was like everything here is bought and paid for everything we possibly can you didn't want to get high on your own supply at the time i always thought well google isn't bought and paid for they're spidering the web (laughs) and now i know that google is totally bought and paid for but but i think some things might have changed since 2004 yeah a few things you know i mean i get it but the fact that they have the when people think about, oh, well, who cares who is really doing all of the searching? The main problem is it's due to the advertising, because whoever is getting the search traffic is making a ton of money on the advertising, because that's where the real money is. Yeah, it's not. Sorry, Google is not making money sending you to the right website. They're making money by selling ads that when you type in um, looking for pizza, well, Every pizza place in your local area that's advertising, Google's charging them to show up on the side and go, hey, you like pizza? Here, here's what you want. Check out yeah. ours. And I remember when when I was working on that, you know, every every time that we had our monthly meeting of the full team and we had maybe 
40 people total working on MSN search. Like the, the, all, all we owned was the page that, that produced the search engine or the, the search results. And we had maybe 40 people working on it on all aspects. Uh, you know, my, my, my task in that whole thing was I was writing emulators that would emulate the, uh, the results pages for our testing because whenever, when you're running hundreds or thousands of test queries per day, uh, you don't want to be sending those out to your partners and getting actual results when you're paying for the results. <laughs> no. So, um, so yeah, my, my job was writing emulators, but, uh, every single quarter or monthly meeting that we had, uh, they would always come out and they would, uh, it was, uh, a analytics company called Jupiter. I think, uh, they would always show the Jupiter results who, uh, for whatever reason, the way that they, uh, the way that they measured it, they always came up with, well, of course, MSN search is the number one search in the world. And I, I don't remember why it came up with that, but one of the things that we noticed was that this engine called Google was gaining in popularity every single month and starting to eat. And uh, I ended up leaving that group and going to Windows uh, because upper management came in and said, you know, according to every set of analytics other than Jupiter, um, we're getting destroyed by Google and <laughs> we need to start spidering the web ourselves. And they ended up coming in and firing two thirds of the MSN search team. And the rest of them ended up transitioning to a brand new team with brand new management, which was designed to, okay, we're going to make our own web crawling and create our own index instead of buying it from people, which frankly was what had to happen if you wanted to keep having a search engine. Yes. Just uh, a little late but, in the game. But, but whenever, you know, a uh, senior management comes in and completely wipes out your entire management chain and replaces them with someone new. I'm like, I don't know if these are good or bad, but I'm going to go find another place. that's a little more stable. Yeah. Well, and the reality of the situation is Google has such a foothold, no matter what governments try to do. How do you lessen their footprint? How do you prop up? any other alternative search engine because people are going to use what they feel works best. And if that well, is obviously Google, you talk about it on podcasts, well, do you think we could bring millions of people into a, uh, a, I think a, we already have a private search. I mean, DuckDuckGo is pretty good. Although somebody pointed out, I don't know if this is true. I haven't done the research that DuckDuckGo is owned by a bunch of crazy way lefto liberals, which worries me a little I bit. I, you know what? They, as far as I'm aware, they're not censoring results yet. And the Correct. moment I get a whiff that they do, I'm abandoning the platform. But if they are giving me honest results, I don't care if Mao himself is owns the site. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Who, as long as I'm getting the results that are accurate and aren't being algoed because somebody got paid or somebody said a bad word, then I'm with them. And I do think that we need more, uh, more people in this space to compete. And I know it's hard because the one thing, if you're sitting at home right now and you're a college student or something, you're a high school kid, really good at coding. You're like, I, you know, I could do a search engine, but I'm never going to be better than Google. And I think that's the mindset I, that that doesn't take that much these days. Right. You know, you know, that thing where I said uh, the the top results are always paid results. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why MSN search got crushed back in 04 was because 
we were selling paid results. We were giving you what some corporation wanted and bought for advertising. And Google was giving you the raw unfiltered web and Google absolutely destroyed us because they had better results. Well, you know what Google is doing now? Yeah. You you know that every time you do a top uh, search, do you know what the top two results are? They're paid for. Yeah. Because they need their money, man. Google, that's where they make their cash. I mean, it's amazing. We talked about this at one point as well, where the Mozilla company, Firefox, was making so much money just by having Google as the preferred search engine. That's There's big money in search, and it's not to get you the best results. It's because this is the place to advertise to you, and this is the greatest place, really, because you're searching for something when this is yeah. especially great if you're searching for, you know, oh, new cars. Well, you know yeah. who's going to be in big. a receptive state of mind. You're looking for new information. And here, look, we've got all this information. People have paid us to put into your brain. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. From a psychological perspective, it's it's nefarious. But from a, a business perspective, it's genius. It is because that's exactly it. You're putting in exactly what you're looking for. And somebody is, I mean, if you're not familiar with the whole concept, I mean, I think everybody could learn a lot by just even setting up a fake account with fake information at Google and looking into doing Google ads, just go in and see how the system works with buying keywords and all this kind of stuff, because it really is bizarre. I mean, the most searched for words are the most expensive. So, I mean, really, if you want to be a pizza place, you're paying a lot more than, you know, pad thai or something because there's much more. Yeah. You go in and you, you say, I want to show an ad whenever somebody searches for pizza. And, and by the way, they geofence that too. So I want to buy an ad whenever somebody searches for pizza in the County South of Chicago. And they'll say, okay, that'll be, you know, $10,000 per whatever. And then you say, and also I'd like to buy whenever somebody searches for grumpy old Benz and they'll be like, that'll be three cents more. <laughs> well, yeah, because we're, we're high, we're high test. Uh, cold acid says they actually do make you do a real life identity check now to get a Google ad thing. So I guess just find somebody that actually deals yeah. with Google ads. Can, and- can you give them a Google voice number? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's it. Can you, we can have the unending, uh, you know, steps from just a big circle, you know, and that way would- I, I had one more thing I pulled out of the fact for Google fa- safe browsing. I, I particularly like this one. And it was uh, the, the FAQ was what if I don't think my site is infected? And their response was malware can hide in many places. It can be hard for even experts to figure out if their website is infected. Our index accuracy rate is very good. Uh, TLDR. What if I don't think my site is infected? They say you're wrong. Google knows best. Shut up. I mean, to be fair, when it happened to my site, they gave me the exact locations of all the files. Okay. And they you were know, right. That's reasonable. <laughs> yes. But it, but it, that is not how I, I, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the YouTube strike system right now, where if you're really lucky, they'll tell you what video you got the strike for. But otherwise, they're, you know, we're right. You're wrong. You know, this is copyrighted. Screw you. And I will yeah. I will and, tell you that the Tom Merritt show was way behind us on covering the story of the guy that pulled all of his games from Google because he got with this strike and then everything removed. We talked about oh, that. Wow. OK, so they were behind us. I don't know. Tom Merritt, you have to do better work. If you're behind us, 
You know? uh, Tom Merritt gets his tech news exactly the same way he we do, except he does a lot more work than I'm ever willing to put in, which is, well, okay, he did back in the day. I don't know what he's doing now. Doesn't uh, Tom he, Merritt listen to grumpy old bands? He should. That that actually I would not be that surprised if if it's ever crossed his radar. Uh and what Tom Merritt always did when he was creating his news stories was he would read every tech news site that he knew about. He had a list of 20 or 30 sites and he'd just read every story that came along. I mean, the guy is a reading master. He just I'm I mean he also did a show with Veronica Belmont, uh uh Sword and Laser, yes. where yeah. they would read a, a novel a week and discuss it. Which I I mean, wow, okay. Like, that but, sounds like way too much work. It does sound like effort to me, but you know, then again, uh, you know, I, I read a novel a year. Um I'm, I'm, I'm part of the digital age, yeah. but, uh, yeah, he, you know, the, the big advantage that doing what Tom Merritt does is that you're, it's less likely you're going to get taken in by reading one article. And, and I know this has even happened to us, uh, where you read an article that is just flat wrong, but you can't find anything else out there and you don't search too hard. And Tom is hooked in in enough places that he really can can zero in on uh it, i mean it, it it has to do with the the advice we've always given with how do you how how you know if every single site is biased which they are then how do you get unbiased news well okay first of all you're you're asking the wrong question there's no such thing as unbiased news but how do you come to your own opinion instead of absorbing somebody else's is you have to get a lot of them and that has always been the thing that I really liked in in all of Tom Merritt's shows is that he will read the same story on 12 different sites and try to get, OK, what's actually happening from from in between the lines. And that's something I do, too. But it's a lot of work. Well, it is so, because journalism sucks. Yeah, it does that. I, I looked at, I think, five or six different stories on the Bruce Springsteen DWI because I was intrigued by what the reality of the situation is and we know everything's politicized in one way shape or form and i don't care that bruce is a big lefty liberal and i don't agree with him there but i was kind of curious how new jersey's favorite son could get a dwi in new jersey i mean that does kind of seem to be like messing they still with have the cops in new jersey yeah, i was surprised because i thought they would have deplatformed them all by now and i mean he's you know i was impressed when i read a year or so ago that Bruce Springsteen's son became a firefighter. So it's not like he's a entitled, you know, didn't, you know, that's, that's more blue collar than, than writing songs about being blue collar. Yeah. That's actually doing the work. If you will, that's actually living the life. And, you know, I can appreciate that, but reading these different stories, there was even one, I forget which news outlet, but the headline was, ah, Bruce DWI after having, you know, one shot of tequila. And then you read the story and in that story, it's yeah. like the people that are doing the headlines aren't even reading the stories anymore at. <laughs> that's, yeah, because that one shot of tequila probably came after another shot of tequila, which came after a third one. It's very possible. But in the story itself, like in the third paragraph was, you know, Bruce told the officer he had had two shots within the last 20 minutes. So it's like, well, your okay. own story says two shots. Why is one shot yeah. in the because, headline because the dwi did come after one shot it just turned out that there were other <laughs> shots before that but <laughs> it's like I yeah I, I want to yeah trying to get to the reality of a situation 
you know, I guess he, they asked him to like take 18 steps and then turn around and he took like 38 steps. It's like, okay, that's, that could be a sign, but he refused a breathalyzer. They said originally, and then took one. They don't say when, like, was it an hour later after they booked him or something when they did get him to take the breathalyzer, he only blew a 0.02, which is well under the 0.08 legal limit. So I don't know if how much time was involved but they're like well he was kind of you know going back and forth when he walks and i'm like he's walked like that since he was like 20 years old i see video <laughs> and you know with i don't so know the cops were on a fishing expedition is what you're saying it's possible which is why i wanted to get to the you know the bottom of yeah. the story and he, it sounded like he had two shots of tequila with fans who somehow stopped him which he was in a park or something you know in national park whatever this was in jersey and he was on his motorcycle, too. And I said to my wife this morning, I'm like, OK, a lot of drunk drivers are stupid. But usually if you're a drunk I, driver on a motorcycle, wow. you don't get many yeah. chances to. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, motorcycle is a little more inherently dangerous to drive drunk. Yes, very much so. <laughs> you know, I've never ridden a motorcycle, but I understand, you know, the the concepts behind them. And if you're impaired, well, in the, least, the physics behind it. Yes. Yes. And that's kind of what I'm like, okay, this is different. A car too. has a car has lots of crumple zones that if if you if you catastrophically fail while driving a car, then there are lots of ways that the car will fold up and take damage and instead of destroying what's inside of the car. Motorcycle also has crumple zones. It's just that the crumple zone on a motorcycle is you. Yeah. So I would say that you know, uh, he's 70 something years old, obviously he has not made bad decisions when it comes to this in the past. And he stopped and fans offered him, you know, a drink and two shots of tequila for a grown man would not impair you. But I could see where you would appear if somebody came up to you right after and said, hey, what's up? And you answered, well, your breath is going to smell like tequila because you just had tequila. But it's, it's sad that it takes multiple stories. I don't think the first story I saw, which I don't know if it was CNN. Didn't even mention that he was on a motorcycle. It was just he got a DWI. And it's like, well, motorcycle to me adds a lot of, con- you know, a lot of context. Like we yeah. talk about everything. It adds context and a fan offered it to him. So that's also different. Like, well, if he just stopped to, to take photos, I highly doubt he slammed. They're like, well, there was the whole bottle of tequila was gone. It's like, well, how many fans were there that he was having tequila with? And they were the ones that had the tequila because I don't think he was carrying a bottle of Patron on his motorcycle. I could be wrong, but there's is, more to the story. I think you're, you're making a fantastic case for not bothering to follow tabloids or celebrity gossip. Yes, because it's all like, a bunch of crap. How, how much does it affect me that Bruce Springsteen got a DWI? Well, it doesn't. No, and it shouldn't. And people should, if they have their own issues, that should be somewhat private, which we have another story. We're going to thank some experts and maybe we'll save this story until monday because i think this is something that's interesting to delve into which was uh, they covered it a little bit on no agenda yesterday the concept that police officers will now start playing copyrighted music on their cell phone or whatever (laughs) device to keep these videos from being posted online i thought that was fantastic i did too for a variety of different reasons but you can decide if we want to talk about that today or the next show as we thank some experts here on grumpy old bands we do work on the value for value model. Hey, we're not Bruce Springsteen. We're just poor podcasters. And we rely on our experts to get some value out of the show and give some value. I tell you what, I I, I sleep better at night knowing that. That you're not rich. That I'm not Bruce Springsteen. Well, I mean, I would take the money. 
I would. Yeah. I would probably take the house. I don't want the fame. Yeah. I don't don't want the fame. Yeah. Not his wife. And I don't want to live in New Jersey. No, I don't want to live in New Jersey. I I guess I have to give the guy props for still living in New Jersey too, rather than, you know, he could own, you know, Epstein's Island or something like that. He's got the cash. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's, I still like the music. That doesn't, and that shouldn't affect it either. I mean, people that look at the politics that somebody had, you know, I understand there's a certain point where it could get to be too much, but you live. We're, a much we're better terrible life. adherents to cancel culture because we're yes. capable of appreciating Bruce Springsteen's music, despite what we may think about his politics, Yeah, w- which means that honestly, we'd, we'd make shitty leftists, right? We are actually people that are much more well-adjusted, happy, not as enraged by every little thing who you know, people that just go nuts with this kind of stuff, I will never understand. But we hope you got value out of the show. And if you do, you get to decide how much value you got. Was it a buck? Was it five bucks? Was it a million bucks? Any of those amounts are available to you. And you could go to grumpyoldbens.com, click the donate button, which is a PayPal button, a one-time thing, or a monthly subscription. And I will say, ever since I stopped using the VPN with PayPal, everything has been great. So my rage level on PayPal has gone, but they, they never said, well, Well, now now you should rage at the fact that they're blocking VPNs. Yes. Well, that is true that they're making it much harder to use a VPN. I don't know. I mean, I understand why you adopt the Bemrose mindset. There's always something to rage about. That is true. There's always something to rage about. Also on grumpyoldbench.com, you can find the QR code or address to our Bitcoin wallet. If you want to go that route. Like a comic strip blogger had been doing, but he's been off the grid for over a week. So comic strip blogger, we're putting out an Amber alert on you. Let us know you're okay. Or if you want to, you can use the snail mail address. I I blame comic strip blogger for the fact that we managed to make it all the way to today without realizing that the chapters were broken. See, you're right. Because otherwise he would have told us because he always said, yeah, if you don't do chapters, your podcast is horrible. And then we start doing pod and we start doing the chapters. We gave in to comic strip blogger pressure, but it's okay. He's an expert. I know he wants to work on becoming a a guru. I mean, that would be very important, I'm sure, to comic strip blogger to be guru. That would be very important to us, too. So yes, we, yes. And we it, do. Gurus are people that we trust with a lot. Yes, exactly. There's only one so far, and that is Guru Walkman of Buckeye. And we all should look up to Guru Walkman and take his example and embrace it but we do give an executive producership to anybody that comes in with 50 dollars or more or the top donation of the show and it just turns out that the top donation of today's show is 50 dollars from sir luca of switzerland who says thanks for the advice about online backups then with a little winky face i mean it was i thought it was decent advice I mean, I interact with people over on No Agenda Social. I mean, I know people. You get the, you get some bad raps. People are like, ah, "Bembrose <laughs> never answers anybody." Oh, I love that one. There was somebody, somebody asked a question, and, uh, and the, the the response was, uh, "Well, uh, you should ping either Darren O'Neill or or Sir Bemrose. Darren will probably answer in a couple minutes, but Sir <laughs> Bemrose ignores everyone." And I said, "Well, if you're looking for a response, that's not how you get it." <laughs> And then you went and within a minute, you freaking answered it and solved everything. So I'm like, I don't need to be involved in this. That's I was like, I want to make this is kind of like wanting to make things true, right? This is just art imitating the reality. And I just came in with like, oh, let's make this statement as uh, positive or negative, depending what side you were on. 
let's just add to the fire. And the question was about doing backups if you didn't want to go into the normal cloud solution, which we understand for a variety of reasons why people might not trust the cloud solutions with your data. But to do a backup where you can also have an offsite backup, and I still stand by my advice, which is it's not easy for everybody to do. But if you have the ability, take an external hard drive, put what you want backed up on it and take it to a family member's house or a friend's house and plug it in to a system that is either always on that's already there or buy a $30 Raspberry Pi and set it up so you can connect to it from remotely and continue your backups that way. I mean, one of the easiest methods for you and somebody else to to generate offsite backups, which is is really valuable because, you know, you, you need you need to make sure the data is in more than one place, because if you're if your hard drive fails, then you, you need to back up. But if you like the worst case is oh, what if your house burns down? Right. Then even if you've got a backup drive that you're storing in the closet next to the computer. Um, that, that protects you from a computer issue, but it doesn't necessarily protect you from the entire. So that's why offset backups are important. And if you really, I mean, if you want to do that, one of the easiest ways is you go buy, you know, go in with a friend, somebody who lives across town, buy a couple of backup drives that are big enough to back up everything. So it doesn't work if you're Darren O'Neill, right? I need multiple NAS systems, but buy a drive that is big enough to back up everything you care about. Run your backup to that drive, unplug it. Your friend does the same thing across town, and then you just swap drives. So his offsite backup is at your place, and your offsite backup is at their place. Yeah, and then and, they, as long as they have a system at their house they can plug it into, you can then transfer your new changes and stuff to it, which is great now that there's so many uh, accounts that yeah. have. I mean, you don't even have to do that if if if. I mean, it, it's a great idea to do that, but you don't even have to do that. You could just run another backup and swap again. True. You could do that monthly. You, you could do that once a month if you want to. Yeah, that's true. And that way you don't have to worry about the connected concept. Of I, I'm just thinking low tech for the people who don't want to run a bunch of scripts and set stuff up. But if you do want to set stuff up, there are solutions out there for you. Yes. Which I'm sure we'll cover at some point. The one, uh, because it, it seems like something that would be beneficial to a lot of people and something that's easy enough to do and you don't have to worry about relying on you know amazon or somebody like that with your data <laughs> yeah i'm sorry no i'm sorry i just read net ned's line swap drives no homo yeah which uh drive swapping it's totally different than spouse swapping net ned uh with that said mud pig comes in with 13 dollars and 40 cents which is a show donation a mini show donation because a real show donation mud pig would be 134 dollars you'd have to move that decimal over but we get it. We get the concept. We get the numerology of it. He says in the morning, mud pig again, which I mean, that is just see, I hear that as a morning zoo radio that you turn your radio on when your, your alarm clock goes off at like six in the morning. It's like in the morning, everybody mud pig here on your getting you ready for your day. It's a great radio name. Mud pig in the morning. Wait, are you it sounds like you're sorry, constipated I, there. I, it says it's not the end of the month, but was out rooting for truffles and found a few extra. So here is a show number donation, also a mic donation. So Ryan can soon retire that old freight string and the well-worn soup cans. Yeah, that, that's what that sound was. That was my microphone. Uh, it needs to be replaced. That's get, all. Yeah, just just get the string. It, it has to be taught. If it's not taught, your voice will sound weird. 
You got to keep that yeah, tight. But the, the teachers unions aren't teaching anything these days. <laughs> In Chicago, they're like, go back. And they're like, no, we like our really long vacation. We like staying at home. Yeah. And usually you, home you know also this, means they're in the Caribbean. Somebody pointed out the the teachers unions are pretty much treating the Corona system as an illegal strike because yes. they refuse to go back to work until I, I don't know, until their amygdala shrink. I'm not sure what what the demands are. Well, and as it's been pointed out on Bill O'Reilly's show, the Catholic schools have been back here in Chicago. And there's been no super spreader event. So the, you've already got you a test subject. Yeah. You've already got test subjects because the private schools are having classes and they're not having any problems. So why the public school can't, you know, it seems like it's political. Although, you know, now that Joe's in the office, I'm surprised they don't want to just get lockstep in. Although I think Joe's already realizing from just the little I've been on Twitter, people are turning on Joe because he, he made a comment the other day like oh well as long as we wear these masks for another year and people are like whoa 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 moving the goalpost dude i voted for you and this you know what amazes me about that is that he's been saying shit like this since the campaign it's just that nobody paid attention to what joe was saying they were all i mean nobody well okay the media wasn't reporting anything that joe said correct so you had to listen to a show like no agenda to even hear most of his gaffes, but he was saying this way before the election and everybody just went out and voted for him anyway, because uh, orange man, bad. And uh, yeah. Okay. What did you think was going to happen? You voted for a demented psychotic zombie who wants to turn the whole country into socialists. Who's still blaming Trump, even though his new plan is <laughs> no plan at all. But Trump was they inherited such a bad plan to distribute this vaccine to the states. And I'm like, well, I don't necessarily think that was Donald Trump's job that was to get down. I don't I don't think he was the guy that was putting him in his truck and driving him across the country. I could be wrong. I mean, I know, you know, Trump did some crazy stuff, but I don't think he was involved in the final leg of the vaccine getting to where it needs to get to. But I digress. No, Joe. no. The the delivery guy who shows up at your door and, and brings you the box with the ready made, please stab yourself vaccine is is not usually going to be Trump or Biden. Well, that would be more convenient if you could just bring it to your door and then, and, you know, I like that. That's, <laughs> that's actually how I want to do it is uh, I don't want to go out to a vaccination center because I'm afraid of a super spreader event. So if you could just mail me the vaccine, I'll mail you back an affidavit that I used it. <laughs> you know, lying on those. Could get you put in jail or Gitmo, perhaps. Yeah. Is that better or worse than having my jeans twisted? I don't know. I mean, how twisted do you like your jeans? I mean, some people like them short, some like long, some like, you know, sometimes you nap on the couch and you just kind of like move your hips the wrong way. You end up, wake up with your jeans twisted. Everything's tight in the wrong places. It's terrible. And sometimes you throw your back out while taking a nap. Congratulations. It was a tragic napping incident. (laughs) Congratulations. You're old. Coming in at $10, Keith Von Dyke with a monthly subscription. And Keith, we thank you a lot. He's been coming in with this $10 for a long time on this and on Random Thoughts, which is basically Grumpy Old Ben's without Ryan Bemrose. You can find that at yes, Random. It's, it's the Grumpy Old Ben's that Sir Gene prefers. Yes. Well, you know, Sir Gene has really good taste. And uh, it's Random Thoughts, R-E-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com. He uh, sent me a link to his favorite whiskey. When, which is a scotch and he also sent he was on a 
video podcast with the whiskey. I forget the name of their show, but they were the guys that Brian Brushwood, when they went to the whiskey place in the Austin area to really learn about all the, the whiskey. So it was like a whiskey school. Um, but he sent me a link to his favorite and it was over a thousand dollars a bottle. I'm like, dude, I can see why that would be really good stuff. But he was on their episode. These guys, thousand dollars a bottle. It had better come with benefits. You would think, but there is a uh, link. I can probably find it again. And, uh, and I know it, it's on my YouTube, so I can, uh, put that out there of Sir Gene on the show talking about this whiskey. And it sounded fantastic. And I'm like, but I don't have a thousand dollars to spend on a bottle of whiskey. I, I don't have a thousand dollar palette. I would not be able to tell the <laughs> difference between a hundred dollar bottle and a thousand dollar bottle other than knowing I could buy 10 of the former. Yes. That cost. I told him I had the idea. Once I saw these guys do a show with Brushwood the one time that I would like to do something like that, but just stick to Irish whiskey. I mean, maybe you would eventually finish all the Irish whiskeys and expand into something else. But I'm like, this was always my thought because I that, like that sounds like a goal. Yes. Yeah. It's finish all those because I've got a ton of bottles of Irish whiskey. Most of them I've never even opened up that are just sitting downstairs. And I'm like, you know, I probably have enough if I was going to do one episode a week. I probably have a year's worth of whiskey already backlogged that I can do. And he's like, well, the genius says do do what those guys did, which is just then ask people to send you bottles. And he's like, they're getting they get bottles all the time of new stuff. So just uh, and we have multiple places locally here in the Chicago area that will deliver me liquor within an hour. So it would be very easy for people to ship. It's like, hey, try this. Just buy it. Have it if, sent if to my you're door. Getting places sending you free bottles of liquor. Um, yeah. I, I would be on that podcast. <laughs> you're like, OK, this is I am now interested in this concept of podcasting, which is. The the value for value is not in dollar ruse, <laughs> but in bottles of alcohol. You're yeah. like this. This just this just takes the middleman out of the way. Every tenth bottle comes with a, a new liver. Yeah, well, it should. That is the that is the downside of of doing anything where you're constantly drinking to evaluate. Because I mean, are these wine people? I will never understand. These snooty wine folks that go wine tasting and they put it in their mouth and they get a good sniff and then they spit it out. It's like, what? It's like a $10,000 wine. What are you doing? Well, well, they, they've already got all the, it's not like you taste with your stomach. That's true. Drunk casting is a thing called acid. We're going to maybe get into that. Maybe it's not. I, that's what I said to Sir Gene. I said, you know, when I had the thought, I didn't really have an audience. So starting this with, with nobody watching, I mean, nobody was going to send booze, but I think maybe we have enough I, of an you, audience. You now. just stumbled up on, I uh, stumbled upon how I spend my Saturday nights. Just, just <laughs> drinking all see but now yeah, we, with no audience. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Well, why would you drink without an audience? How dare you? How dare uh, you not offer? Well, that actually, I do often have an audience. Uh, usually we're, Usually we're playing video games with uh, Bamlet and and my other friends on our, the audience is our Discord channel where Bamlet is constantly saying, "How come we're not recording this?" You're like, "Cause we're all too lazy and drunk, obviously, because yeah. it would just be pressing one." Mostly button. the former. Yeah, but I digress. Coming in at five dollars today, De Metis of the Fun Fact Friday podcast that he does with his daughter Leela that you should check out every Friday or Wednesday night if you want to catch it live. They do the most wholesome podcast available yes. on the No Agenda stream. No question about it. And he comes in with a check. He is the guy that's doing stuff 
the smart way because there's no middleman taking. So he only percentage. spent five dollars for that five dollars. Yes, smart. It, but there's nobody taking a dollar out of this to process it. The bank, he's actually screwing his bank because they're putting that check. They're printing the check. So they're paying for the check. They're putting it in an envelope that the bank is paying for. And they're putting it, you know, a stamp on this to get it to me. And that's all at the bank's expense. They're probably screwing him on interest. So it's fair. Well, yeah, the banks aren't going out of business anytime soon because of donations to grumpy old beds. Now, if we want to make that happen, come on, everybody go to your automatic bill. This this sounds like a challenge. Yes. Take. Take your banks down by sending your money to us. Yeah, that's that's genius. That is genius. And coming and we in, we also we also accept GameStop shares. Well, not now. <laughs> we, we would accept <laughs> those about a month ago. We'd have been in good shape because we would have sold the minute that went up. None of this. Hold the line. Screw you. Hold the line. We know it's a worthless company, but I digress. Coming in at two dollars and ninety three cents. Sir Fudge Fountain, and I don't want an explanation of the name. I, I I'm not asking, but I I you know what? It sounds like an expert name to me. Yes, it does. You want to be Guru Fudge Fountain? I think is what nobody has ever said before. But maybe, and we appreciate the <laughs> that, donation. That, that is a fantastic porn name, <laughs> Guru Fudge Fountain. Um, yes. Okay. See, now this is kind of like your setting. You're setting the bar pretty high. Somebody else could come in and snatch that name up. I mean, unlike the the no agenda where you could have multiple nights with the same name. I don't know if gurus. I don't think you can have the exact same name. So there, you, you want to get in quick. This is like a domain name. Once somebody else grabs it, man, you are out of luck. So go to grumpyoldbeds.com and donate. Help us keep the lights on, the microphone sounding good. Get Ben Rose a new microphone. Those cans are getting a little bit old and worn out and uh, he, he needs a new robe so i mean there should be a robe fun along with the with the microphone yes fun. this one's got cat hair all over it well you should really clean that you need a roomba something like that well, most of that hair is attached to the cat that's all over it oh so it would be angry if you decided to try to get yes. rid of that hair <laughs> yeah yes no. trying to vacuum up this hair would make it get make noise would vacuuming a live cat really anger it I uh, know it usually just makes it run away. <laughs> That's a smart cat from experience. <laughs> well, it was this probably something else that happened while drinking? It might. I guess because mm. because chores like vacuuming are only tolerable while drinking. Well, that's true. It does make everything a lot more fun. Now, if you have an alcohol problem, please seek professional. I do help. have an alcohol problem. There's, you don't, you don't this coffee any. cups almost empty and there's no alcohol in it. See, you got to work on that. You got to work on that. So did, I, I, I'm guessing we should save the story of the yeah. cops playing the music. We, oh, yeah, yes. Oh, it's it's the rule of broadcasting. Always leave him wanting more. Always tease. I've made it through half of the stories on my notes, which is. Yeah, that's about the same here. And the, the one that I we can leave with just a fun story was the maker of a brand new because I guess the PlayStation five. I haven't seen these things. But I guess they have like a white faceplate that everybody hates on the front of these things. And there's a company that decided they were just going to make replacement black faceplates. And uh, if people are going to pay for it, it's it's a viable model. They are taunting Sony saying, go ahead and sue us, because I guess companies have been sued before for coming out with replacement parts, which is weird. I don't know if you can really have any kind of trademark or copyright or whatever i don't know what the hell it would even uh, be. It's, it's industrial design you can make a patent on it 
I guess. I guess that maybe and this is just the way I guess maybe they're getting some good publicity on this. I don't know why. This, this is one thing I think Apple does really well, although they will bend you over because of the price. But like on their new top end headphones, they come with like gray ear pads, you know, but you can buy black or red or pink or purple, but they're like 75 bucks. So, uh, you know, they're they're already in the secondary market. Sony, maybe they're just missing out on the fact like, you know what, we're going to we're going to make these things look horrible out of the box with really cheap plastic. But then we'll make people pay like 100 bucks if they want to change the color on their <laughs> suckers. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking at the the tech radar story right now about this this exact thing, and uh, apparently Sony's lawyers already shut down an attempt back in October to do uh, for somebody to sell exactly the same thing. It's an interesting market. I and, mean, I okay, I, somebody was selling a color various colors, not just black, uh, of custom face plates for the PS5 for forty dollars each. Yeah, that should be shut down. That's fucking robbery. <laughs> Hey, my buddy owned a plastic company for a while, and I kept trying to come up with great ideas to do just stuff like this. Yeah, for for that much money, I'd invest in a 3D printer. <laughs> like, start pumping these things out, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, customizations. That used to be a big thing back in the day for people old enough to remember gaming rigs. I mean, I know it still is, but there was a it was high art at one point. The things you could do to your yeah. rig. Do you remember when first sale used to be a thing where if you bought something, you owned it and you could do anything you want? Yes, it was a beautiful concept. Like, you know, back in the day, if I bought a, a device of some kind or or an a physical object, I could drill a hole in it and staple a teddy bear to the side and the company couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> and now somehow the lawyers are. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because you're this renting. litigious society. Yeah, everything's renting. You're not really buying a PlayStation 5. We're just allowing you to rent it and we can ask for it back at any time. I don't think that's the case. You know, other than the industrial design patent, which is generally uh, does not violate first or doesn't block first sale. I wonder what the I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to live read the research the story on the show. But I I wonder what the hell the, the Sony lawyers, what grounds they had for getting them shut down. Uh, because that should be, that should not be illegal. No, because there's been a third party market. I mean, imagine if you could do this for things like phone cases where Apple could be like, nope, we're the only ones that can sell cases that our phone fits into. It's like, oh, I mean, you're just making a piece the exact same size. And, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of things you cannot claim to own rights to. And I think a somewhat rectangular piece of plastic would be one of those things. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, you'd be like, uh, we're we're selling this particularly shaped piece of plastic as a a wall decoration and go ahead and buy it. And then, oh, what a surprise. We didn't know it happened to fit the the PS5 perfectly. Right. It was the whole pencil concept. I remember those when people like selling bootleg T-shirts outside of concerts because it was illegal to sell them, but you could give them away free. So the guys just start carrying boxes of pencils like, would you like to buy this pencil for $30? I'll give you a free T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Genius. That's oh, capitalism the, at the, its best. The ridiculous. No, it's not. It's it's actually not. <laughs> no, capitalism is selling a T-shirt. Yes. Uh, yeah. The the pencil idea is trying to get around the the stunted form of corporatism 
that we have because everything is so ridiculously over regulated and you know any kind of information property law legal okay I, i'm i'm my coffee cup's empty and i think we should end the show now i thought wait you, you any don't, kind you don't of intellectual go, property no you need it, to go back it up back it up we no can. because because you'll just put it as a cold opener i know the i know you you've done enough of these shows by now yeah i did one or two Hey, I've picked myself as the cold opener a few times now. Yeah, it's happened. No, real capitalism doesn't have to come up with clever gimmicks to get around regulation because real capitalism does not have somebody with the threat of force and guns in the background telling you that you can't do something because of intellectual property. Now, there are reasons that you brought up on the show why intellectual property still might have a place in society. But pure capitalism does not have restrictions like, well, I own an idea, and therefore you can't express the idea, which is something that we have with our, I'm sorry, that, that's a rant I don't need to get into about how you know, some libtarded friends that I have are always say, well, I call this what we have now late stage capitalism. Like, no, it, 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 we haven't had capitalism for a while. Well, everything that you complain about is corporatism. It's where corporations have more power than the government, which already has too much power. Anyways, I'm ranting about that. I shouldn't. You started the show angry. You're enter- ending the show angry. So basically just another grumpy old Ben's. And that's my secret. <laughs> I'm always angry. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac. Well, I guess I should tell everybody we'll be back on Monday and, uh, and thank don't, everybody don't threaten people for, right. I'm sorry. I don't want to threaten people. We want to thank everybody that comes along for these things live in the troll room available at noagendastream.com, including cold acid. I have no name. I mean, what do you call somebody with no name? Uh, Reese, net, Ned, car of course, Fletcher and everybody that lavish that has been down in the uh, troll room scrolling along trolling along doing everything they need to do while we're doing the show we appreciate you all for being here while we do the show live we do and we appreciate everybody listening and if you want to have more fun listening and you're not listening live mondays and fridays noon eastern noagendastream.com is where you can find us and with that said i am darren o'neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle america just outside of Chirac where the sun is out and everything is delightful. And from America's left coast, where you can go to onlyfans.com slash grumpy old Ben's to see some hot hard drive swapping. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Ooh, is that set up?